for sure. It's so, it's hard not to be like, you know, it's not hard to it's it's so hard not to have quirks. In yeah, exactly. Twenty twenty, and especially as we get older and older, it's like gonna be harder to like break habits that you used to. Like I just do mm. things this way, and that's how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> <And then it laughs> well, I guess that's just how I live now. All right, so you're gonna pull it from the top. Uh, no, we'll go from the. Let's go from the middle. Oh, I feel yeah. like it's more of a like fate, you know, fate thing. Here we go. He's gonna fake it out. He's gonna pull it midway. Midway. What have we got here? Oh, it's a bunch of swords. Ten of swords. Is that the name of it? Yeah, call I think account? so. So. Oh, and he's getting slayed. He's too. getting. <laughs> <laughs> I hope the meaning isn't as hectic as the uh, the image. <laughs> We're going to read it and we're going to see if anything resonates with you there. So okay. read that and we'll start the show. Uh, <laughs> the first line is so hectic. <laughs> when the Ten of Swords appears in a reading, it is likely that the situation has become as bad as it possibly can. <laughs> Thanks, universe. This is rock bottom. Enough is enough. There is nowhere to go but up. Wow. Oh, that's positive, though. <laughs> 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 you, know, you can only go up from here, bro. This is incredible. This card can represent someone who has a great amount of self-pity, who feels like a martyr, like they, <laughs> like, like they've made huge sacrifices for others and received nothing in return. If this is you, ask yourself what you gain by feeling like this. Is feeling sorry for yourself helping you move forward? If not, pick yourself up and get on with life. Take the lessons you've learned with you so you don't make the same mistakes again. <laughs> that's, uh, it's pretty topical, man. <laughs> I couldn't have thought of a better card to do a post-mortem on your old band, Pagan. <laughs> oh, well, this is, um... Do you feel the power of the tarot now after you've... I do, yeah. I'm like, I yeah. should be a registered tarot reader now, I feel like I do. that's enough. There's enough magic in that deck now for sure. This is this is this is serious stuff. I'm gonna keep this um I'm gonna keep this image of a man getting stabbed in the back by ten swords in front of me for this whole for this whole um this whole discussion. Just to remind me that I um <laughs> I need to stop feeling sorry for myself. Yeah, that's it. You know, that's a, that's a positive thing, you yeah. know. If I can do anything for you this episode, it can be, you know, for you to Pull yourself up from your own bootstraps. Thanks, mate. I'm really glad I came over tonight. Welcome to Fucky Tarot Lady episode 24. My guest today is Danny Bonici. Am I saying that correctly? Bonici? Bonici, yeah. Bonici? Yeah, spot on. Better than, better than most people. Oh, yeah. man, I, st- I did Italian at high school. I know what's going on. That's good. Know? Yeah. <laughs> but you're also known as Danny Vegas, which I love so much that I wrote it on my little piece of paper. Like, where did Danny Vegas come from? Uh, it's it's, a, it's actually not a bad story. It's a long story, but it's not we, a bad... We've got time. Good, Tell me. Good. Um, I used to work at a store in Greensboro that sold, like, records and, like, band shirts and stuff. What was the shop called? Pla- would, Planet Thirteen. Would, rem- ever... would people remember Planet? Probably, 13? yeah. If you, especially if you were from that side of town, for sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was, it was sort of like a, it was like Smoke Dreams, but without the bongs. I don't think we sold bongs. We sold rave pants. We didn't sell bongs. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and the the 
so the people that ran it was like a husband and wife and they were both like way into like glam rock and uh like the the dude that ran it uh sean his name was and her name was melissa this is this is wild that i'm it's coming back to me but <laughs> this dude sean played in a band in the 90s called the voodoo love cats Ooh, it's a good name it's not bad it's not it's kind of cooler now than it was when he told me the name like <laughs> 10 years ago whenever this was but um i remember like at the time i was sort of trying to get bands going and stuff but not like like not really taking anything seriously but he'd like come in and his band did okay like they they did some stuff and he'd come in and he'd be like fucking you know what you need if you want to really get a band going you need a stage name (laughs) right i'm like okay Sure. He's like, I'm going to think of a stage name for you. Right? And I kind of like forgot forgot about this conversation because I just thought it was like the dumbest thing I'd ever heard. Anyway, one day he like like bursts into the store and he's just like, I've got it. Danny Vegas. <laughs> and I'm, I, I'm, I'm standing there behind this desk. I think it was like customers in the store. Yeah. And I'm like apologizing to everyone and stuff. And anyway, there was a, there was a, there was a young lady that would come into the store all the time and buy stuff. And it was great because I had like a sales target that I had to hit. So anytime she came in, I was just like, all right, let's... Let's sell some raver pants to this. Let's, let's party. Here's your Avenged Sevenfold t-shirts that you had on back order, right? Um, and anyway, she caught wind of this name and then somehow like tracked me down on Facebook. But this was like years later. So I'm like... By this point, I'm like mixing with a bit of a different circle and, you know, I'm a bit cooler than I was when I worked at this ridiculous shop. And uh, she tracks me down on Facebook and just writes on my Facebook book wall, Danny Vegas in like (laughs) capital letters. And it's like instantly I'm getting all these text messages like, dude, who is this and what is this? What is this name? Yeah. were uh, Were you in Vegas at some point? And then she knows you from there. Or no, no, no. It's just this name that this store owner came up with. He just thought that this was going to be the name that made me a worldwide success. Yeah. And lo and behold. It kind of has. <laughs> I toured Europe a couple of times. <laughs> that's awesome, dude. Uh, yeah. So I just kind of ran with it. And, and that's uh, good because my, my only worry with... <clears throat> you being called Danny Vegas was that if you coined it yourself, because it's like, who coins, like when you coin your own nickname, that's a tricky game. That sucks. A lot of people do do that. Yeah, that sucks. So I'm glad that in this intense grilling that I'm doing of you right now, I found out that (laughs) someone else gave you the name. No. Because it's too good. Like, because people think, oh man, he's probably called himself that because it sounds sick. Because it does. Like I was saying to people, I'm like, oh, Danny Vegas is coming on the podcast. Oh, look, to be fair, I'm lucky that it's Danny Vegas and not like Danny Flyswatter or something stupid you know <laughs> not that danny vegas isn't stupid but <laughs> but um yeah it's uh it people that oh man people that make up their own nicknames uh, second to people who have kids and predetermine the kid's nickname mm. you know oh we're gonna have a kid and we're gonna name it oliver but everyone's gonna call it ollie <laughs> fuck off fuck off i'm gonna call your kid ver because Ver. you're a shit parent, you know? Maybe you start a new trend where kids are going to be called Oliver, but they're just be called Ver. Yeah, Ver. Yeah, I'm into that. Yeah, it's I like nickname. that. I think it's cool. I, I think that that's cool. When when people start to be called 
by a nickname that's not the expected nickname. That's mm. that's cool. But again, you can't you can't do that yourself. Yeah, you, it needs to just be organic. I remember know? like kids, <laughs> like you know when you're, like, you're in primary school and then you know you catch back up with primary school friends and they're older, but they've got some new name and it's like. You definitely chose that name yourself. You know, like I have distinct memories of being a teenage kid and having people that I used to know who yeah. are way cooler now with this new name. And you're like, where the where the fuck did you just pull this new name yeah, from? Like, yeah, you de- yeah. This is self, you know, organized. hundred <laughs> percent. But with that said too, I think like anyone that I went to high school with now would be like, that yes. Danny Vase. But we're going to quash this <laughs> right now because those people listening from your high school and listen to this podcast and be like, oh, sweet. He's way cooler than I thought he was. And he's like awesome. And I was wrong. And I suck. Exactly. And- Everyone in my high school was fucking wrong. Yes. They were so wrong. And sure I was right the whole time. <laughs> Everyone who started a band ever was for that. So everyone in high school is going to know that I was fucking way cooler than that. <laughs> and I was always that cool. Yep. And that's yep. why we all join bands and start bands. Exactly. <laughs> it's an escape from reality. <laughs> All right, cool. So we've just jumped straight into the origin of the Danny Vegas name, which I'm glad we've done, which was on my list of things to talk about today. That's good. You just have a page. You just have one page in your notebook. It's an A4 notebook. And the only says- thing on the page says Danny Vegas. <laughs> I was going to write more, but I was like, fuck it. It'll be yeah, fine. This is good research. Um, I am going to ask some questions. <laughs> yeah, that was my research this whole time. Just like looking up maps of Vegas and like <laughs> connecting pins and stuff and being like, yeah, there's something to this. Um. I was going to ask a couple of mm. lightning round opener questions just so people can get the feel before we jump straight into the, the, nice. bigger, the bigger hitting questions. Um, when you were growing up in the house, what kind of music was being played? Oh, so my, I, I was very lucky. Like my dad's a musician and, and also like a very avid music fan. Sick. Um, and my mum my mom was a very avid music fan and she like worked in a record store when her and, her and my dad started dating and stuff but then i think just like living with him made her hate music so much because he loved it so much but um he was like right into stuff at the time like like his favorite band is like electric light orchestra so a lot of that uh a lot of that like late 70s kind of i guess kind of like kind of proggy like dad rock stuff so like boston and toto and chicago like all those bands that are named after like geographical <laughs> locations, yeah. um, America, uh, yeah. or another one. Um, so yeah, like um, Kansas, Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck all this shit. I was gonna say Kansas, and I'm like, dude, I'm just rattling off like American. You could just American list a bunch of American states, and they towns. might be bands. They're probably bands. They're probably probably yeah, bands from yeah. the seventies. But he, um, yeah, he he loved a lot of that stuff, and I, I like I used to think it was like very lame. And now I love it. I live for that stuff. I think it's so great. Um, so yeah, that was that was sort of his his vibe. And then like a lot of a lot of the Australian stuff too. I suppose like you know you know Chisel and um, you know Men at Work. He like Talking Heads a lot. So there was a lot there was a lot of stuff like from 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 his era that yeah, was going on. And then my mum, you know, when when she would play music, it was like disco. She was quite into like that realm of stuff which which i always really enjoyed too i always thought it was super fun was there a little bit of that disco that crept into pagan as well oh like a hundred percent yeah yeah like totally especially uh especially like a little bit later on like more so when we were writing the album um and it was definitely like i was definitely trying to write these like kind of like classic rocky riffs and then incorporate these like 
Yeah, the beats Disco is it's such a it's such a toe tappy kind of music, Peg, and it's with that kind of because it's that it's that. You yeah, know. yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, that was definitely all 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 a big part of it. That's and really lovely to hear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I never really lovely. thought about it until now. <laughs> Connecting dots on this giant corkboard with string everywhere. There's like a picture of Vegas there. There's a disco <laughs> shit. Um, do you remember an MSN screen name or a MySpace name that was uh, maybe a bit uh, embarrassing now? Uh, it's, I don't even know if it's embarrassing. I remember distinctly hearing like hate breed for the first time. <laughs> and like all my like MSN nicknames used to be like half the song. So they were like real long. And it was like, now is the time for me to rise to my feet, wipe this spit from my face face wipe, wipe the tears, tears from, from my eyes <laughs> like i will be heard <laughs> the first time i've ever heard that song it was in triple x when vin diesel's snowboarding down the mountain after oh, he creates yeah. an avalanche it's that that's when they play that song yeah, right. and that was yeah. a, that was my first introduction to hate breed yeah and do, do you know what any that's like the only hate breed song i've ever been like into i just didn't i got right into this song i was like oh this is cool this is this is it's pretty angry. And then I just didn't, like, I just never followed up. I don't know anything else about that band, but I remember, I distinctly remember that MSN nickname. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> um, worst tattoo. Do you have a bad tattoo that you regret? Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a few. I've got the, like, by far the shittest one that I've got is, like, the bottom of my back. So, I, like, I eventually, like, got my whole back tattooed but for a really long time i just had like script down the bottom of my back and it was like i'm still the king <laughs> and it's from a brand new song which is like not only not only is it just like the crappest tattoo that you can get <laughs> but now it's this band that with this like singer who likes to or liked to yeah you're liable or whatever yeah. but, but, what, you know whatever to cover um, ourselves legally he got up to some nasty shit like yeah a lot of those pump so pump now yeah did. so now like it went from just being the tattoo that i fucking hate to like a tattoo that i just makes me cringe because the worst you could have got like a lost profits you know that, yeah i'm as well. so <laughs> happy i didn't i didn't really um <laughs> get into those guys yeah yeah <laughs> oh no to be fair i reckon i i reckon i maybe had had the record or something like the CD. Yeah. But um, yeah, again, didn't ink it on your flesh. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> this, these questions are bringing out some interesting answers. I'm <laughs> thrilled with the output so far. Yeah. There's a, a lot of feeling. Sorry for myself. Uh, just to loop back to the, um, <laughs> to the 10 of swords. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fuck. Um, who was your first musical influence? First musical influence. Wow. It's a it's a tricky one because I I think that like when I when I think about this I, I like different music influenced me to do different things I think so like I think like The Offspring was probably the first mm. like band that felt like it was mine and it was like okay th whatever this is I I want to get into this like yeah. this is this thing i want to play tony hawk one and i want to is it was it that era was it that era of like pop punky yeah yeah like, i think it was in like grade six when i got americana oh yeah and that was like the first punk record or cd i keep saying record because i'm so fucking cool <laughs> um that was the first like punk rock cd that i had without even really knowing where it belonged like what it, what, what, it, what the genre what was, it was. Or, yeah. yeah yeah but but that 
you know, and then obviously at the time too, there was like a lot of Green Day on the radio and a lot of like Blink-182 were getting played a lot. And in, over here, there was like The Living End were really big at the time too. Mm. Like Prison Society was yeah. out. But they, off, the Offspring kind of had these songs that like I liked what I heard on the radio. I bought the CD and then on the CD, there was all these like fast songs. And I was like, oh, this is this is the shit. I don't know what this is, but... Yeah. So that like that was probably the that were probably the band that you know kind of made me understand that there was maybe more out there than just what was on the radio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but then as far as like as far as like playing and wanting to be in a band goes, you know, I reckon it was like I feel like it was maybe like Deftones. Ooh. I was like the Deftones, and I remember seeing like. I distinctly remember seeing the back to school video on we somehow my family had like a legal foxtel <laughs> so we couldn't afford it legitimately like, like you pay a guy Euro- who knows a guy Europeans, like- yeah everyone shares the same service but i remember like watching i think it was like headbangers ball on mtv it was unreal late and that that video came on and i remember seeing like chino marino and being like i just want to be this person like this 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 man is the most beautiful thing that I have ever seen. And I, and I still feel, I still feel exactly the same way. Like yeah. they're my favorite band. Oh, really? Yeah. The, like favorite heavy band for sure. Wow. See, cause that's a thing. Like, uh, Mal's really into Deftones as well. Oh, and sick. like heaps of other people that I know around me and like people who's like, white pony, bro, white pony. And like, I'll listen to it. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty good. Actually. I didn't really know that it was that good because at the time it just kind of fit in with that new metal-y vibe that when I kind of missed it when I was into new metal and then when I went past, I was kind of like, nah. yeah, But I didn't realise totally. there's more to it than that. Like yeah. it's one of those bands that gets lumped in, but it's not really Well, they, metal, they were kind, kind of like the offspring for me, I guess, at the time too, like the fucking Corn was huge mm. and, and they all had... There, there was like Limp Biscuit videos on video smash hits or whatever it was <laughs> yeah. on, on Saturday mornings and stuff. So they were another band that kind of like, they made me realize that there was, there was like a little bit more to it. Um, and then, and then I guess they, but they were so huge in my mind that when I saw like, when I started, when I found like Pennywise and Mill and Colin and stuff, it made it more feasible to like I could do that be a part of it. Yeah. 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 Not nothing against like the, I guess the, you know, the, the, they're great bands. They write great songs, but they made music that seemed more achievable, I guess, yeah. at the time. And I think that's like the biggest thing, right? Like if you're going to pick up an instrument for the first time, you want to play songs, you want to be able to play something that you can play, right? And if it feels like, yeah. I could probably do that, you know, like, and it gives you the totally. push to go and, and, and grab that first instrument or something. Do you know what? I think I, I love music videos. Like I've, I've always, like I would, I, I dare say that like I'm more influenced by music videos than records in a lot of aspects, right? You speak and, in my language, dude. Yeah, like, like I, and I think it gets undersold a little bit, but even seeing like, seeing the video for like Pennywise, same old story. And it's all kind of like black and white. And it looks like it got filmed on like the guitar player's cousin's camcorder. And like, it's just the whole budget was like cheaper. Mm. Whereas like you see a Deftones video and they were getting thrown millions at the time. And it's these big budget music videos. And you can tell that they're these huge famous dudes who do heaps of blow. Which I I would later come to find out is very achievable on any budget, but um, yeah, I think I think it was just the the accessibility of it was was kind of what made it 
made me be like oh, maybe maybe like maybe you can just be nobody and be in a band yeah i could know? do it I yeah could do it um that brings me to the next question is mm. uh what was your first instrument and why so I, when you first picked up a what would, would you pick up first? I, I played the bass like i've always always played the bass um the reason why is because of my my dad is is a bass player as well um and he you know still is to this day still plays shows and stuff play, sick plays in a country band yeah um and it's great it's so i hate how good it is but um <laughs> he uh i remember like i i started high school and you could do like music lessons through high school and you had to like fill in a form and it was like which instrument do you want to play and it was like drums keyboard guitar or bass and um i was pretty adamant that i was going to play the guitar and I remember my dad, like no word of a lie, was like, "Nah, learn the learn the bass, learn the bass, son. There's always there's always work for a good bass player." <laughs> right? And Wise so words. yeah, and so I'm like, "Oh yeah, this yeah, fuck yeah, then <laughs> yeah, I want to make heaps of money." So I I chose I chose the bass, and what I later found out was that like he just had a bass lying around at home, <laughs> so it meant. And then he wouldn't have to fork out straight away for a... <laughs> yeah, if you said, I want like a Fender, he's like, no, nah, I can't buy you a Strat. Like, you got to get a bass guitar. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just try this thing instead, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I was lucky though. He had this beautiful like 80s P bass at home Whoa. because he was playing guitar in a band at the time. It just wasn't getting used, but it was kind of in pieces. So it was, it was uh, it's been, it's later been... You know, revitalizing. And you to, still got that paper? He he's he's got it, but like it, it was, I used it on like the Pagan record. Sick. And most, I think most of the stuff that we recorded, yeah, that's awesome for sure. But yeah, he, um, yeah, he later later it was decided that it was time to buy me my own <laughs> my own instrument. You are getting uh, serious, and he's like, I'm gonna lose this bass. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> all that work he promised me was starting to roll in, and uh, yeah. Here we are. But yeah, it was bass. It was, I took lessons from this like stoner dude for a, for a little while through the school. Sick. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, I've written here first CD you purchased with your own money, but uh, that's probably Americana it sounds like. that Was that mm. the first one or was there stuff before that? No, I think I think Americana, my parents got me for like a birthday or Christmas or something. Sick. I think the first one that I bought with my own money was probably, it, it was either like, it was either a Deftone CD or a like a Pennywise CD, Sick. and I had to back order it at Sanity or Into Music, one of those. Yeah, and it like took like six months to arrive. Fuck. Yeah. Not that wouldn't happen in this day and age now, you know. No, I well, who waits six months for anything now? I don't wait like a minute for anything. Like, <laughs> if like this thing doesn't stream on like Netflix or Stan, I'm like, turn off the computer, like, no. unplug the modem. Something must be wrong if it's not going. Like, <laughs> this is fucked. I need it now. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, yeah, this is great. Favorite music video. So do you have a favorite after all these years? Yeah, right. Favorite music video. I always think about this and I feel like there's always one that comes to my mind and now I can't, I can't think of what it is. Maybe... Uh, Maybe it's, maybe it's that Deftones video, that back to school video, just solely for the like, the the like sheer like I remember exactly where I was yeah. when I saw it and how much of an impression it had on me, and it's fucking sick too. Like, Chino's like standing on like the school desks and stuff, and then he screams, and then the office 
windows shatter because he's because of his sheer power. Because he's just so brutal, yeah. You know? And he's wearing like and he fuck like he's wearing like those brown dickies, and I still remember this dude: brown dickies, Chuck's blue hoodie, which just became like a staple. Yeah. And then they and then they go in the school gymnasium and they and they all play and they you know play live and all yeah. the kids start singing the chorus. Oh it's my pretty God. sick. It's like youth rebellion <laughs> in, the fucking, in one little music video. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, what about like worst and best gig either going to or playing? Oh. So you can pick you can pick any of those four. Yeah. Uh, okay. Worst worst or best gig. Yeah. Um. The worst gig that I ever played, I played in, I used to play in a punk band that was like, we used to play like every week and it, it was just the most tiring experience of my life. We were young and we just, you know, you just said yes to everything yeah. back then. But there's a charm in that, I suppose. Yeah. Remember you can't do that when you're like 30, when you're like, no, fuck that. I got a job and shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I remember uh, we played... Is it Ruby's Lounge in Belgrave? Is that the name of the venue? Oh, I couldn't tell you. Bel- Any Belgrave listeners? Yeah, uh, there's a couple of dudes out that way, like <laughs> like Mika, Luke Frizen. You you guys are out that yeah, way. You yeah, know. yeah, totally. Those dudes are know for sure. Ring in if you're listening. <laughs> um, but we played this. We played this fucking show, and the only people there was like four dudes in like these like Monster Energy hats. In the back of the room, and look, if you want to drink energy drink, that's fine. And if you want to endorse it on your own in your attire, that's cool too. But literally, they were the only people there, and it takes like a fucking hour to drive out there or whatever. And in between the songs, like we're playing, and then you just hear like these dudes saying like, "You're fucking bashed after this," and it's just like so depressing. And then like we finish the show, then our drummer just quits. Like that was it. He just had it. Our drummer Frank, who plays in the band series now, who obviously went on to far greater heights. Um, so yeah, he he just like quit, and I drive home, and then the next day I'm like, "Where's my bass?" And I left my bass in Belgrave, so I had to drive all the way back to pick it up and Fuck. drive home. So the not next only night. was it the worst gig, it was insult to injury. The yeah, it was. I had it. to go back and relive it. I think that's why it scarred me so so hard. It was fucked. That was that was gnarly. <laughs> what about a what about a best gig memory? Do you have a really good gig memory for you know like a good gig? A good gig. Um, best. Uh, do you know what? I, I like. I've I've been really lucky to play a lot of good shows. But in terms of going to a show, one that I still think about all the time, and it's like kind of tragic that I feel like I haven't maybe seen anything as good since. But I remember seeing like AFI. Back in, oh, it was like Sing the Sorrow era AFI, which I love I, AFI, so dude. badass, dude. Yeah, so badass, and that was like one of the. I feel like that was one of the first like ticketed overseas touring bands that I went to see that were kind of a big band, but you know, but big enough that where, where did they play? Where it was Hi Fi Bar yeah. or, or um, Max Watts yeah. now. So, I, and I I just remember that like that that was a real like tipping point for me as well. Like just that like the energy that that band gave off and like everyone, you know, it was one of those shows too, where I felt like everyone knows so much more about this band than I do. I'm, you know, I just got the new record or whatever. And like people were just so fucking stoked to finally see this band. I still just remember that as being like, just a, I doubt that I'll ever feel that way about seeing a band ever again. Yeah. You know, 
And like, I try not to be too nostalgic. I'm not a very nostalgic person, but that was definitely like, that was sick. Man, like, they were kicking ass on that record. Like they had the, all the great clips and like Davey had the long hair and he had like the full sleeves, which is yeah. like blacked out since then and stuff. Cause he's all like. He's very, know, yeah, very fashion. He's very black and white very, Instagram. Yeah, very LA. Would, would never allow a colored Instagram picture yeah. to pop up on his fucking thing. Yeah. <laughs> My uh my old roommate Dill Stark he um said that he was in New York when they were recording mm. I think he was recording with like House vs Hurricane or something at the time and oh, okay. they went to the Refuse show because they'd like reformed and were playing in New York and he yeah. said that Davey Havoc was standing in line like a couple of people in front of him or something oh, that's and amazing. he said he was just super cool now yeah. I'm just quoting Dill from the conversation <laughs> we had in our house one time we were living together but like he was just like yeah he was cool as fuck just like hanging out talking to everyone I was like oh that's such a cool yeah I'm know. sure the dude would be lovely. Like yeah, yeah. You can't. I don't know. It's hard to. It's hard to come from that world, like, and turn out to be a shit person. Like, I don't. You know. Ah, uh, no, it's not. It's pretty easy, actually. <laughs> I just think he's nice. What I just you, hope he's nice. Yeah. What do you think of me? You just want to hope that he's like a good dude. If you met him on the street, be like, hey man, what's going on? You know. And he's be like, don't talk to me. I'm fucking an AFI. All right. No, I think he'd be. I think he'd be super nice. But I think he'd say stuff, and I'd. I'd be like, I'm oh, maybe like. Maybe where I am in my life at the moment, I feel like I'm cooler than you. <laughs> like just, just like a, I don't know. Like I feel, I feel like he'd start talking about like fucking, I don't know. There'd oh, be like too much of a sense of superiority in the conversation. Yeah, I painted a chair black yesterday, and I was like, I like stained wood, dude. I just <laughs> yeah, just keep things the way they are. You didn't wreck that wood. Someone put really hard effort into like making that look yeah. great, and you've just gone and wrecked it by painting it black. Yeah. So he would he would have some black chairs. He'd have a lot of black sure. stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, feel, I feel like we've covered uh, most of these kind of lightning round. Oh, what about Metallica or Megadeth? You do either of those? Ah, uh, Metallica, one hundred percent. I could care less about Megadeth. Oh, yeah. Shots fired at Dave Mustaine. Yeah, I think Metallica are like one of the most funny bands of all time, <laughs> and it's fucking sick. And I like old Metallica because it's hilarious. I like newer Metallica because it's hilarious. I like really new Metallica because it's hilarious. Um, I haven't listened to any of that like Death Magnetic or what was the other one Hardwired people are like no it's real sick bro if you listen oh, to it it's so like, it's I was like thinking of Saint Anger as like yeah. the last album that came <laughs> no, out no see they've done there's new, I know there's, they've yeah. got redeeming <laughs> albums supposedly if you were willing to go back like, yeah. nah bro check it out man it's fucking it's like old school thrash it's sick <laughs> it's like yeah well, maybe yeah maybe. Nah, who cares look Put battery on and shut the fuck up. That's like. it. All right, we're, gonna, we're moving back to the blank page. It just says Danny right. Vegas on it. We're moving on. So, so tell us. So you 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 obviously like deeply entrenched in punk rock growing up and, and yeah. getting into all that stuff. How old are you, by the way? Uh, like at this point, um, uh, how old am I now? Oh, or how old was I well, at the time? That question works both ways. If people, if listeners want to do maths, they can figure it out, or you yeah. can just tell. I'm th- I'm 32 now. Yeah. Uh, so this would have been like. Fuck, I would have been like 12, 13. So this mm. is like a solid... Th- anyone listening to this is in for a solid 20 years of yes, that's my I bullshit. Want. I want is... all my podcasts to be like 20 <laughs> chronologies of people's lives. Um, yeah, so I think I think I was like 12 when I, when I started getting into like the punk bands are on the radio um, and sort of caring. Uh, like, and, but like, like I remember like I got, I got right into it. And I think another thing too, like my dad... Um, and I, I, I got to preface this by saying, like, I got into music because of my dad. Like, there's no, there's no ifs or buts. Like, yeah. uh, any, any interest that I have in music definitely stems from him. 
And he also worked for the ABC at the time, like Whoa. ABC Radio. Um, and so he introduced me to like, do you remember the show Recovery? Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. I met Dylan Lewis a couple of years ago and he hasn't no aged. He looks exactly the same. That's worked, so sick. We were, I was working um, back when I used to work at the toy shop Pop Culture and we went on this convention yeah. to Adelaide and he, like, I think he must work at like Nova Adelaide now. So he was there at the con, like probably doing like a live yeah. morning show or something. And then he was just floating around and he looked exactly the fucking same. That's I was just sick. like... Dude, how have you not aged? And he made some joke about something and he was very charming and lovely. And I was like, fuck, Dylan Lewis, bro. What a fucking legend. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it was like human Jane Gazzo as well. She was cool too. She yeah. had like colors in her hair yeah. and stuff. But like that, he, my dad was sort of like, you should watch this show. Like you'd probably like it, which is, which is sick. And I, and I loved it. And it's like through that show is where I found like more of the Australian bands. Like, like Body Jar. Body Jar, Friends of Rom, like The Living End kind of like as they were breaking and and becoming huge you know i remember they they did like that tainted love cover on on well, recovery who did, who did the sure. tainted love cover the living end yeah oh because i remember the body jar doing the hazy shade of winter cover, yeah. which yeah like gerard way did a cover of that for the umbrella academy show the the singer oh, from yeah cool Mike M. and it's like that's just a shittier version of the body jar cover from like 20 years ago on recovery yeah. oh that that body <laughs> jar cover is, Dude, is it still that's a yeah it's a red hot <laughs> But yeah, so that that was like that's when I and they they had a few like overseas bands on that as well, um, and and stuff on that show too that I just like didn't understand then, but now know is great like Brian Jonestown Massacre I'm pretty yeah. sure on it and like stuff like that. So that was all of that kind of combined was it's a good musical education for a young yeah person watching recovery you yeah know? yeah totally totally um so that was yeah that was kind of like the end of primary school the start of high school um and then uh, uh, to be honest like we I, like like I, like we were sort of saying before like i grew up over this side of town the western suburbs which at the time like there was no there was no punk rock there was no there was no rev <laughs> there was nothing there was some, like there was some skateboarders and I got into skateboarding. Yeah. But we we were sort of just like any kind of like guitar music was what we were giving each other on burnt CDs. And it was it was it was cool. It was just sort of like that that was we didn't it, there was something quite like nice in that it didn't really matter what it was, just as long as it like it had some balls, you know. And mm. um so I I think I didn't really um like I said, it was it was sort of it was sort of coming across like Mill and Colin and Pennywise, which is when all the like all the like deep cut offspring songs started to make more sense. And that was sort of like, hey, there's maybe there's something out there for me, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was that was it. And then I just kinda went on a on a on a tunnel and you were just like I feel like everyone says this when they get interviewed, but like <laughs> they you would like read the liner notes of a, a CD and they'd thank all these other bands that they'd been on tour with. And you just go on Napster and try and download like a song from every band. It'd take you like four days. And like Nonna rings the phone and then like <laughs> and it cuts dis- out, <laughs> you know, and then you can imagine like your disappointment when like you finally downloaded a Vandals song and it was dog shit. Cause it's <laughs> just like, why is this guy singing about like, I don't know what whatever well, that. Yeah, what I never it? liked the funny bands. I was never like that into mm. like funny punk rock, like gutter mouth and stuff. Yeah. I liked Friends or Rom. That was kind of it. But 
But there was an Australiana to Frenzel Rom that made yeah. it so cool that you just like totally. Like, it felt like it, it felt like it belonged to me because it was that I knew they were from exactly, here. Exactly, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, that was kind of where it all it all took off, and I just kind of immersed myself deeper and deeper into it. And then uh, I guess like mid high school, I kind of found like kind of found like like sick of it all. Were maybe like the first hardcore band that. I liked and then mm. from there it was just like I, I i just want like i want to hear like heavier shit you know yeah. and so i got like right into like a lot of the new york stuff like you know mad ball like not like which is all like super cheesy and whatever yeah. but but it's great like I, I i still like i still care very deeply for that yeah that music as well that's awesome so when did so when did the playing kind of come in because like at this point you're kind of skating and you're listening to music but when was the first time when your dad was like you should play bass not knowing that there was a bass already in the house that you were supposed to play oh uh, well that so that was the start of high school and that like playing bass playing something i think was always going to be inevitable in my household yeah. just because i was it was just kind of a it felt like a very normal thing to do because my dad did it all the time and we'd like go and see his, his cover bands and stuff play on on the weekends and and all of that sort of thing. So it was it was never really like I didn't really start playing to like play in a band. It was more just like something to do. Yeah, and cool. I, I didn't really um I'd play I'd I'd like fuck around with with like people from school who like ended up just becoming my friends because someone owned a guitar amp or like. Mm. There was a guy who knew how to like hit a drum, or like someone's mum would let them practice in the house, kind of thing as yeah. well. Was it that kind of? Vibe? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, we used to play. My friend Frank, <laughs> so I went to high school with Frank, and we used to practice in his grandma's basement in high school, and we just do like, um, we just do like living end covers, and uh, yeah, that was that was a good basement too. I'd fucking kill for a space like that again. Yeah, I was just about to say that's. Yeah. When you people say like a basement or attics, it's very Americanized. But like, yeah, I no, it was a, had it was a, here, it was like, a proper basement in like Avondale Heights. It was this like the house was this like wog palace, and they had this. So like the it was like a really sloped driveway, of course. So with like the brick arched um, garage doors. Was yes, a hundred percent. And mm. and so because the because the block of land was so sloped, half the house was built underground. So the bottom level was like had a bar. And like couches and like it was this whole little entertaining space almost. It was great. It was fucking awesome. Yeah. We we spent like spent hours down there. So, but nothing nothing really serious until um year like year eleven. We um we moved campuses, and so I, I went to school in North Keelor. And then we moved to the, the Sydney campus and all these dudes from Melton um, went to the same campus, right? Real, some real stand-up characters. <laughs> and no, that, it was, it was, we used to just give them a real hard time about being from Melton. But, <laughs> As um, I'm sure people from Melton still do. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. But um, out, what was happening out there, like at that point, campus like at that melton campus there were way more kids that were into like punk music mm. and skateboarding than there were at my school so then we would start to be you know, we'd, we'd integrate with these kids and and that was when i i, I played in a i joined like a I started a band with these kids from from melton and we did this like emo band 
It was called First Saves All. Oh, that's a very good emo name. It was. It was. Very good emo name. Was it name. all one word or was it like, uh, you know... It depends all... on what era of the band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that, that's a great name. Yeah. Just like maybe capitalised, but it's all together, you know, like yeah. Alexis on Fire, you know, yep. like a... Yeah, totally, totally. But no, we, we that was sort of the... That was sort of the first band that started playing shows. Um, and... So was this right around that kind of Sing the Sorrow era as well, if you're t- saying emo? Like Maybe what? just after. So this is a little bit more like um, Thursday. Mm. And uh, like I, like it was it was way before, but I was finally starting to get at the drive-in. And like, <laughs> you know. It at, took me ages to yeah. get at the drive-in as well. Like it's yeah. only like I went back two years later and was like, this is actually great. Like, yeah. yeah. What's that album with the Trojan horse on the front? Uh, like the main one? Relationship of Command, is that the one? Oh, it had all the fucking bad songs know. on it. I was like, dude, how did I miss this before? Yeah. Like, yeah. Because it was like, I got into kind of like Mars Volta probably before that. And then was like, that's a bit too trippy for me. And then you go back, it's like, oh, this is a bit more like Refused. It's a bit yeah, more yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. it's harder. Um, and I, by this point, so I was like right into Refused as well. Mm. Refused are another really big band for me as well. Um, I kind of actually, I kind of got into Refused through like liking the Deftones. So this was like the other thing, the other side of the things that I was into. Because because of Deftones, I got into bands like Far and and Quicksand. And all those like, kind of like post hardcore bands, which which I I still and like Glassjaw, for yeah, example, and I yeah, felt yeah. like that's I that's why I was felt like Deftones fit way more there than totally new metal, yeah. So that's why I thought I was thought it was like way cooler, but um, yeah. So this was like this 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 band that I played in was like right into like yeah, Senses Fail were another one, and uh, yeah, just a lot like of, Taste of Chaos bands, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> just just a lot of rubbish. <laughs> Just a lot of rubbish. But it's so funny though, because yeah. like new metal was rubbish, but that's kind of come back in vogue. So it won't be long until that emo oh. sound's going to be back, and we're all going to be like, yeah, it's like a like a it's like a mid two thousands emo style sound. It's yeah. going to be like totally cool to say for, that. As for sure, to, like, I think that's word. when that's when I like quit music. I think I think that's like when when someone when <laughs> like young kids are doing like the used worship bands i think that's it for me i think that's when i'm officially like yeah when like the ouroboros eats its own tail when yeah you're like, i'm out like we're done yeah. there's nothing left that's to explore a hundred percent a hundred percent that's full circle but for i me. thought that when new metal came back in the kind of way that it has now where like people unironically love new metal bands again mm. and it's like and, and new bands are starting to have a bit more of a I guess with uh, using the gent as an excuse to be like oh it's a bit gentry but it's like that's just new metal dude like, yeah that's just a new metal band yeah but you're just doing a new metal Stephen Carboner played eight strings way before, way before your friend Brad from Baronia. Oh, I really gotta stop ratting on like suburbs. Hey? <laughs> you're a fucking classist, you know. Just... Uh, I'm sorry. No, I... you grew up in the West. In the, exactly. In the that's I, uh, yeah. I mock what I am. That's yeah, that's exactly. it. <laughs> yeah. So you do, so you do the emo band. That's yep. the thing. And then, so what age are you at this point? Like are you mid teens? So this, this like- is, uh, yeah, like so year eleven. So I'm probably like 16, 17. Yeah. and that's that. That was sort of like kind of a like half-assed way of like learning about playing shows and yeah. Um, you know, it was it was super fun though. Like I remember having a really good time. And it sounds like your parents would have been really. Uh, 
like pushing you in that direction as well. It's not like, oh, you got to go play a show. I got to stand and watch. Like, I feel like your parents would be pretty keen to come and watch you guys play. Or was that was that on the cards? No, or? they yeah, like from time to time. Like I, I remember because we were yeah, the, well yeah. So we no one drove obviously, so we're all because we're all super young. We're so relying on your parents. Our parents were like taking turns at, at driving us to to shows and stuff, and probably probably dreading it. Like I think about my dad especially because like like I, I can attest to this, Liz, like especially like especially when you're in a band that, that plays a lot and he, he's my dad's a workhorse when it comes to like music. Like that was part of our family's income. We're playing these covers gigs and stuff every weekend. Yeah. So like, I know that if I've been playing a lot, the last fucking thing I want to do is see a band play, you know, like, so now I think about how this poor soul <laughs> had to like, had to sit, sit watching through your- watching, watching, his son playing a band that probably just sounded like cats, but killing each other. Um, and what were you guys all wearing at the time as well? Would, uh, would you have just been thinking, what are you dudes wearing? Yeah, like- we were. So thankfully, thankfully, right? So this was just pre like eyeliner and super like teased. Like Sonny Moore. All that. Yes, yeah, yeah. so it was just pre from first to, to last. So we didn't really, we didn't really get into that, thankfully. Yeah, I'm so happy that we didn't. But like, There's no embarrassing photos of you from that era with like. Oh, a- there's plenty of embarrassing <laughs> photos. But for me, it was more the like. For me, it was more the like Dennis Lixon like bowl cut. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, that's um, a cooler way to go in that world than Sonny Moore to Dennis Lixon. Like you know, I mean, he's screw well, now, but yeah. I still want to be Dennis Lixon for sure. He's well, styling still, man. Like, yeah, he is. Looks he is. great. The whole band still looks real cool. Mm. But um, yeah. So we we. We were like definitely like like super tight jeans, like way tighter than like anyone should wear their clothing. And then uh, you'd buy like girls' jeans from Supre. Was yeah, the, was the shit. They were mm. real cheap too. And you just like buy them every three weeks. I remember whatever. when I was like seventeen, I bought a pair of girls' jeans from Jeans West. Yeah, they were like yeah, like a girl size six or something. It was like <laughs> fuck yeah. And the girls like I can't even fit into those jeans. I'm like yeah, yeah. like it became a sign of like top dog status it was yeah like the tightest jeans your jean size meant so much um (laughs) (laughs) so fucked but yeah so then like the white the white studded belt Mm. the white belt in general i feel is due for a comeback Mm. i reckon the white belt is i reckon i'm gonna do it yeah fucking do it man yeah see because i'm from geelong so the white belt is synonymous with the white belt and white um you know the square topped shoes that you'd wear to like the Geelong Cup. Oh, yeah. So that's like a dangerous game to with, mm. the, with the, as a Geelong boy wearing the white belt. It's like, oh, yeah, you got to try and not look Geelong Cup. You got to look, you know, like you got to. Yeah. You're a styling dude though, you know, and Pagan always had a fucking great look, oh, you know. Thanks, so man. it's like, I feel like you'd be able to pull it off without I looking gonna, like. I reckon I'm going to give it a go. I reckon I'm going to try the white belt. But, uh, and then the other thing that was big at the time too was like polo shirts, like colored polo shirts mm. or stripy polo shirts. So we'd, we'd do that. Uh, we do, oh, I'd, I'd do that a little bit as well. <laughs> I love how you just quickly didn't rope anyone else. It's like, no, no, no oh, I did. Yeah. We, we, all, we all were doing it. We were all fucking wearing polo shirts. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a strange time. Yeah. The, 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 the thing that came just after that, I remember because I was like 18 and I was working in a nightclub, was like the Miller's shirt, like the cowboy shirt, that like the kind of Norma Jean. Oh, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. You'd, yeah. Wear, you'd still wear your tight jeans and you vans or cons or whatever but you'd have like a western shirt like a button-up kind yeah of, yeah yeah I, yeah i think i got into that i, I got into get- that yeah so then the next band that i played in um was and everyone everyone always like laughs when i say this because the band have a very funny history but the next band that i played in 
was Jack the Stripper. Oh, what? So, yeah. So like, as in the Jack the Stripper. The Jack the Stripper. You were in Jack the Stripper. Yes, right. Was but this pre Luke? Pre everyone. So <laughs> this is the this is the fucking and this is this is when I would have adopted the like yeah the Western shirt yeah and and um yeah it was like a boot cut jean so it was like super tight at the top mm. but they kind of flared out a little bit and then you'd wear like white vans or something yeah but um a lot of lot of fashion talk on this i love it it's yeah great. <laughs> um, you're a fashionable guy i feel I like it. i need to uh, <laughs> listeners danny currently has bleach blonde hair at the moment has anyone seen this is this a is this a new look i've for been a- i've been very sparse about it on uh on the like, socials on the socials and co- obviously we're we're living through a through a pandemic at the moment so no, the only people who've really seen it, we've had like a few people over for drinks. So you'd, you'd maybe be like the sixth person to oh, see it. A, it's a real honour. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. This is, I think this is the time. If hey, you're in ISO. Hey, hey, don't mention it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, cool. okay. So you're in Jack the Stripper. So, yeah. no, so like the, like none of the lineup that ended up being in the band later was there? Like who was so, there? So... Um, I'm trying to so my my um and forgive me my my Jack the Stripper um history isn't mine's spotty it kind of best kind of cuts out when I left, <laughs> but I think so when I left um I think probably like Shane O'Brien who yep. drummed I think he was the longest and maybe Brian who played guitar oh. they survived for a while but basically like so when I left Jack the Stripper um Julian who ended up becoming like along with Luke, I think like yeah. the brains of the band. So he joined on bass after me. So, um, like a funny story, right. Is the first time Pagan went on tours with totally unicorn and the Melbourne show was, uh, totally unicorn Pagan, Jack, the stripper. So they, they, they opened the show. And I remember like, and like when I, when I left that band, like, there was like a couple of people in that band that I kind of left on pretty like shitty terms with or whatever. But this was like way later. So now at this point, like I'm just like, oh fuck, we were just all dumb and doing heaps of speed. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> and um, I remember going to this show and being like, I was like real satisfied too that like my old band was opening for my new band, even though it was just by default because we were the main <laughs> tour support. But anyway, like I get to the show and I'm watching these dudes play and they're all just these like hot, muscly, like Mm. attractive men. Mm. And I'm just like, I don't know any of these people. Hey. And then like. This isn't the band I was supposed to try and show up with. Yeah. Like show up on or. Totally. And then, and then like, I I think that was the night I I spoke to Luke for the first time. Luke, Luke, Luke Frizon? Frizon? Frizon. I can never. Previous, previous guest on the show. Yes. Yes, of course. And. He was so nice. He was nice as pie. Yeah, he's the nicest dude. And uh, I was just, just that, <laughs> I was just like, I'm the shit bitter person in this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so glad you could get that perspective. No, it was that, great. You know, was, like, yeah. And I remember watching it and, and I, I hadn't seen them play like since I was in the band and it was, it fucking blew me away. Like yeah. it was sensational. When you guys, this, this early iteration of Jack the Stripper that doesn't even mm. seem to be anything close to the Jack the Stripper that I no. remember. Yeah. What were you guys doing? Were you doing like, were you crazy on stage or was there a bit of that kind yeah, of Jean chariot kind of action? Yeah, it was. And that was kind of the, that was sort of the reason that I, I kind of got a bit like weird on doing it because I felt that I felt we were doing it like, 
the guys in the band wanted to be this real crazy mm. band and stuff. And I, I just think that like, I think that as an element of that has to just happen. It can't, you can't premeditate it. You can't, mm. you know, having someone before you play say, all right, now everyone go crazy on stage is fucking lame. Right. So I think that that was sort of like, yeah, this isn't really for me. Like, this isn't really my, my world. Like, mm. And but despite I, the fact you were into Refused and things like that, that would have been a kind of appealing prospect to join a band that was a little bit crazy, though, but not when it feels Yeah, planned. exactly, exactly. Mm. Um, and that was that was the type of, like, as far as, like, a, a stage persona goes, like, bands like Refused are, are, are where I kind of, what I stole, basically, yeah. to to kind of do my thing. But this wasn't that. It was more like the singer would, have blood on him after every show kind of thing. And it's like, what the fuck? This is going like, to get old, like, real quick. Like, as in by by beating himself up to the point where he would bleed? Or, oh, he would or get- like, a, like he'd, like, punch a light or, like, punch a wall and have, like... And oh. it was just sort of... I know I was always too, like, I was just like, someone's got to fucking pay for that. <laughs> You're being I was always a bit dad. too sensible for it, I think. So, and yeah, we... but and And as far as the music goes, like, it was... Not the like very like technical, refined kind of what you know what that band ended up being. This was way more like people who can't play instruments very well trying to play converge or mm. or botch were a, were a band that like I that was sort of what I was channeling in that band. So right. it's a lot more a lot a lot way more rough around the edges and stuff. It was it was fucking horrible. Like to to be to be honest, like. I think if there was a if there was a band that if I had to listen to any of the stuff that I played on, which was just like burnt CD demos and stuff, yeah. I'd be really like cringe about that particular band. Um, but they, you know, obviously over time they became this this you know big kind of force force. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is which is really cool, and, and it's you know obviously obviously took one or two people to be you know the driving you know, the driving force behind creating that, which is really cool, you know. That's really interesting and fascinating that I never would have thought that you... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people... And and, and this is the sort of thing is that, like, honestly, like, I probably, like... Uh, yeah, up until maybe, like, my early 20s, playing in a band was just a thing to do with my friends. So I wasn't even... I wasn't even necessarily worried about, like, wanting to do a certain thing or whatever. It was just like, oh, you know... Shane's doing this band. I'm just going to do it with him. Yeah. They all want to sound like this. So I'll learn to do that. And then we'll get to hang out a bunch of times. Get to hang out and drink beers. Yeah. You know, so. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. So it wasn't, it wasn't, um, yeah, it wasn't really about what we were doing. It was more just about doing it, I guess, Mm. you know. That's really cool. Yeah. So then how long was that tenure in uh, Jack the Stripper? Like It was like a couple of years. Yeah, right. A couple of years. And then, um. And then I think I wanted to like, so by this point, I probably would have been maybe like 18, 19. Um, and I wanted to like, I, I wanted to travel a little bit and stuff. So I just kind of didn't do bands for a few years and just worked and went overseas a little bit, um, which I'm really glad that I did. Um, I kind of, yeah, I just, I just kind of, like, I just wasn't interested. Like, it just, it just wasn't, wasn't really, um, 
a prerogative to to want to i guess to do bands and stuff it was more yeah. it was more just like i think i just felt like i had some growing to do you know it was that, that sort of like going into your early 20s you're still so young but you can't i think you kind of feel at that age like some level of obligation to start trying some semblance of adulthood yeah. i guess um and i was uh, you know i think i was thinking about maybe going to uni or maybe you know so oh shit if i'm gonna do that i should travel you know so i just worked i worked like real hard and just saved heaps of money and just went overseas where'd you go when you went i went to i i went and did like uh i i spent like three months in america and mexico just getting fucking obliterated so like for all that growing that i thought you know that i was just talking about yeah but beer's way cheaper over there so it is <laughs> and you can get it everywhere yeah 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 totally so yeah i did that um and then i went to i went to japan uh and did like a month in japan and then um just just went kind of around the country and stuff I was going to a lot of shows at the time like seeing plenty of bands around this period um but then it wasn't until i think i was maybe 20 22 23 when i um i linked up with some dudes that i went to high school with who i hadn't seen i guess for a while and we started doing this uh we started doing a punk band called cavalcade and that was the first band that was a band i guess so it was like a it was kind of like fast melodic hardcore punk I played bass and I sang in that band. Sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you do a lot of the backing vocals in Pagan, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's you got a you got a good voice there. Like in oh, Pagan, it's very screamy. You Thank know, you. like were you, what was the vocals like in this band? It was it, it was more. Uh, so this this is around this time. Um, we're getting right into like hot water music and you know that like fest punk. You know, yeah, Lawrence yeah. Arms, the Alkaline Trio, I guess. Uh, Alkaline Trio like ended up being another huge band. Uh, you know, all those bands that I just mentioned, really. Um, so we're 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 it's kind of um it's sort of shouty, gravelly kind of yeah. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of like sing songy kind of parts yeah. and stuff. Um, and that was the first band too that I ever wrote lyrics for like properly, apart from in high school. And I'm sure that would be cringe. Yeah. Oh man, I still got a book. I still got a book of li- lyrics that I wrote from high school, and I got like, I got songs about like being like addicted to drugs, and like had never like even like had a chuff. Like, <laughs> you know. so oh, fuck. In a in a kind of like, hey kids, don't do drugs kind of way, or like, how are you tackling the subject? No, I was. Drugs? I think I was way more open minded than that as a. <laughs> As a youngster, it was, it was more, it was more, uh, you know, just be careful, kind of. Mm, yeah, weeds a gateway drug, kids. Yeah. You know. Yeah, there's a real authority on the uh, illicit substances in. Yeah. In high school. Yeah. Well, I'm like, later on in high school, yeah, <laughs> pretty well versed in it. But anyway, um, yeah. So, so you're writing lyrics, and what are the lyrical themes kind of about in, in it's, Cavalcade? It's it's pretty. Uh, like I'm actually like I, I can still think about some of the stuff that I wrote and I, I think it was I'm still really proud of it I'm still um, it really invoked this like actual love of writing for me a lot of it at the time was pretty like self-deprecating like woe is me 
ten of swords <laughs> kind of shit. You've you know? been carrying that around for a yeah. while, have you? Yeah, bit of um, <laughs> yeah. That was that was probably the start of my. Uh, that was when the first of the pity. ten swords went in. Your yeah, back. sword number one. So we're at sword number one now. <laughs> nine to go after all this. But that was it. Was pretty self-deprecating, but you know, it was it was very of its time. That that was that was kind of the fucking. It was all the rage at the time was to kind of be this tortured, self-loathing drunk, you know, mm. um, but, tortured artist. Yeah, but but kind of really embrace it, embrace the fact that you're a bit of a fuck up kind of thing. Um, but uh, I guess in that respect too, though, in your early twenties, I think you kind of have to do that a little bit. Yeah. To, to sort of figure some stuff out too. Like you should you should embrace being a bit of a piece of shit in your early 20s. I think um, it's the only time you can get away with doing it. Well, exactly. Because if exactly. you do it when you're like 35, you're like, get your shit together. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but like no one's going to tell a 22-year-old to do that because it's like, of course, exactly. they get, that's like they're built to fuck up at that point. Totally, you know? totally. Don't hurt anyone else, but fucking by all means, like destroy yourself. It's it's sick. Like it, <laughs> it's, you know, it's sick. Get through it and then move on for sure. Otherwise it starts to get a bit tragic, but... But yeah, that was sort of the um, that that band for me got me really interested in, in in writing and language, and I was reading a lot at the time. I was probably reading more then than than like any sort of period of my life too. And like, um, what kind of stuff were you reading? Like, how did you find the books you were getting into? Like at that time? Ah, uh, man, it was a lot of it was a lot of that. Like again, just like self loathing, like Bukowski, yeah. Jack Kerouac, like. Um, all all of the sort of like beatnik fucking yeah that kind of that it'd be it'd be a chunk in like a literature class you know where you'd study a couple of those like those yeah yeah and yeah, like yeah, the yeah. Books and, and the time and you get to really understand what was going on yeah that kind of era you know? totally but also just also just like a lot of just like classic American literature I was really into as well like like to, to Kill a Mockingbird and you know. I remember reading like The Catcher in the Rye just because I knew that was something you were supposed to read. Yeah, these are all the books that you, what you're saying right now mm. feels like a list of things I had to read in literature at school. Yeah, know, and, like- I, and and I did, as far as school goes, like English was always what I enjoyed. Like that mm. was always, English and history were, that was where I was, my head was at. Everything else could fuck itself. Like I just didn't care. But um, so, you did, what about music? Did you use music at school to like as an excuse to like play? Like yeah, we play. So I went to a Catholic school. So yeah, at, yeah which is and I'm sure you'll agree. It's a great way to shape your worldview on fuck yeah a I lot could, of things. Well, when I saw all of the stuff around Pagan when you guys first started popping up, I'm like, oh, there's some fucking Catholic guilt floating around <laughs> in that band for yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. But yeah, it was um we'd um we'd like sign up to play at masses. Because it meant we got to get out of class to go rehearse, um, and because we just fucked around in the music room so much, uh, they gave us a key. We had a key. It wasn't allowed to leave the school grounds, but we knew where the key was, so we could kind of like go in there at any lunchtime or. And whatever. you're like, well, we're rehearsing for our mass later. You yeah, know, exactly. Yeah. So we'd fuck off, and then like a teacher would like come knocking on the door and be like, "Mass rehearsal, mass rehearsal, fuck off." Then, uh, is that you saying that to the teachers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're doing mass rehearsal, all right? Yeah. Don't tell me to go do mass. Like real real fucking rebellious. You know, like most most people have stories about like, oh, the cops, the cops came over and we were like, fuck the pigs. I was like, mass rehearsal. 
that rings too true, yeah. man. Like, yeah, like going to, a Catholic, going to a Catholic school. Like, I don't think people, anyone who goes through like the public school system doesn't realize what it's like to be in a Catholic school where it's no. like, whoa. Like, we had to, we were like, it was a requisite to like do RE, like mm-hmm. religious education, like until, like, and then I heard stories that like our principal of our school in, in Geelong was like, Straight up telling people not to be gay because, like, yeah, and it's uh, just like all whoa, that stuff. What, yeah. like, the principal of a school said that in like the mid 2000s. It's like fucking psycho to think that that's something that would be said in by a, a figure of authority, uh, you know? yeah, absolutely. And that's that's like, oh, I, we're obviously sidetracking a little bit, but <laughs> um, I'm glad that I did go to uh, like a school that had uh, preached a religious agenda because I feel like it allowed me to to kind of see it from both sides of the pond and really evaluate how I felt about it yeah. and ultimately shaped a big part of what would end up being the rest of my life. So yeah. Yeah. And I think actually, I think in, in, um, in this band cavalcade, which is where we're up to now, mm-hmm. I, was, I was, I was writing a lot, a lot of references about religion in the songs come to think of it like heaps. Yeah. A lot of imagery was like, you know, Christian Catholic imagery used as, as like metaphors and stuff so yeah it was de- definitely that definitely had it was like the beginning of you being like a real musician yeah 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 i think so i think so um and and like i said that that was the band that just played and played and played like we played we played at least a show a week and like wait I is, th- this, is this the band that you played the, the belgrave the belgrave one this is the belgrave band and so that band lasted Man, I want to say we got like a good three, three or four years yeah, out wow. of it. That's a long time. Yeah. But I mean, like the first two years were just like, we just didn't stop and we were going into state. And it was like, that was kind of the first band that I did proper like interstate shows with as like well. Like all getting in the van together kind yeah, of Yeah, 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 yeah. Which was super fun. It was real fun. Um, and we, we were just like, we, we just partied. Like we fucking partied so much. It was great. Um so yeah, that was uh, yeah, that was uh, probably about four years or so wow. that I did that for. Yeah, awesome. I got to pee really bad. Do you want to? So you want to have a little you wanna, break? You want to get a water break? Yeah. Sweet. All right, we're back and we're talking about uh, we're talking about cavalcade. We're talking about you getting into your writing. We're talking about getting into religious kind of <laughs> symbolism in your we in were, your lyrics. Uh, we were yeah. Fuck. That was a. Uh, in retrospect, that was a real wild ride. Uh, <laughs> That I just took you on. <laughs> Thanks, Not at all, man. Thanks I, for sticking with us, listeners. I think it's an interesting thing that, you know, like, they, you know, that old saying, like, write what you know. Mm. It's pretty easy for you if you're, like, trying to write something that has, you know, ag- aggression and, like, it's easy if you're going to pull into your brain and find the thing that pisses you off to be religion after being in, like, an organized religious school, right? Yeah, like, yeah, definitely, definitely. I think, I, and you know, again, like, just very young, very, very like, very unsure of where I was in where I belonged in the world and all of that sort of thing. And I think at that age, I think that's why young bands generally write the best records is there is a real kind of like, you're just angry all the time. You can't explain why. And, you know, I think, I think there's just like, there's just a lot more to write about Mm. when you're that age. Uh, and it, I think generally, well, sometimes manifests in like some pretty good songs. So yeah, yeah, that is interesting actually, and especially when you're talking about like you know the sophomore slump or stuff like that. It's always like when bands come out of the gate with like a a really good first record. It's yeah, like 
Yeah. And then how do you top that? Because yeah, what are you to be angry about once you're a success? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like once you've cracked it, which is an interesting uh, parallel. We can get into pagan a little well, bit. We haven't yeah, even got to no, pagan yet. So no, let's for sure. <laughs> let's, 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 <laughs> let's, what else happened? Was there any other bands after Cavalcade or was so, that? Yeah. In between, um, in between Cavalcade and pagan happening, I played in another like fast punk band it was sort of a, a bit, bit more of a like hardcore band. Um, it was called Tigers. And that was with um, my, my three of my dearest friends still to this day. Um, and I would say the same about the Cavalcade dudes, to be honest. Um, mm. But Tigers was with um, Corey and Ashby, who played in In Name and Blood. Cool. And uh, my friend Nick Hauser, who played in a band called The Gunrunners, who, who Cavalcade would play with a lot. Um, and the cool thing about that band was it was, it was super fun. It was very chill. And the like through like Corey and Ashby who were in in name and blood. That's when I, I sort of started to meet like some of the, some of the older dudes who'd been around for a while. So I met like through, through them, I met like Gordy and Beltsy and Nigel from mind snare. Um, you know, just, just a lot of the dudes that, uh, you know, a teenage me would go and watch play and, and really admire, mm. you know, mind snare were like a huge band for me. Um, they were probably the band that got me into metal. Yeah. Because we haven't really touched on like when I got into metal. Um, that is true because Pagan yeah. does have like, it, it's heavy. Like it's a heavy band despite yeah. it's kind of, you know, it's it's got a little bit of a candy coating on it. Like I feel like people can ingest Pagan, but being like, that's some fucking heavy riffs in that band, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think so. I think so. Um, but yeah, Tigers was cool. We did like a seven inch and, a, and an LP. That, al- that LP, that was the first album that I ever did which is always a huge deal of. for band people you know to be like i finally recorded a whole album's worth of material like, yeah finally yeah and honestly like as it it's a cool record and i i still like it how holds a very special place in my heart but like at the time i could have cared less like i was just it was just these were my friends and we were doing this thing and it was sort of like i wasn't thinking about like oh hey this is actually the first album that i've ever been a part of making but but in hindsight, like yeah, came out came out cool, and uh, again, like another learning another learning process. Yeah, for me as well, for sure. And what was the tours like for Tigers? Like, did you guys play interstate as well? We or? did. Uh, like, I think we we maybe went to. I think we went to Brisbane once. <laughs> that was kind of it. We didn't play very much. Like, we it was oh. again the the whole the whole thing with that band was kind of like. Oh, here's another thing that we can do on on the side of whatever else we've got going on, you know. Mm. Um, like Cor- Corey was um, Corey was in a pretty serious relationship at the time, and um, Ashby's like a, a tradesman, and and you know, um, you get to that age where like you know when you're like a bit older in your twenties, and like people are trying to move on with other parts. Yeah, like yeah, you yeah. Only give band time so much time unless you're like de- like desperate to try and make it. You well, know, in inverted commas. Yeah, yeah. And this is this is a. Um, this was kind of like, so this is like, we're in sort of like my mid twenties at this point. And this is kind of like where I'm starting to feel like, oh, okay. You know, the, being in a band is a thing that you do on the weekend and, and that's cool, you know? Um, but the caveat to this is that uh, around this time I moved into this house in Flemington. It was the most disgusting house I've ever lived in. I don't even remember why I moved in there. It was fucking grotty. 
There was rats. There was like the trees were engrossing the house from the outside and branches were coming inside through the walls. Like it was Fuck. this decrepit, like bong nest of a house, right? And this is like around the time that I stopped smoking weed because <laughs> I probably because of this house. Um, but it was, a, it was a real, like it was a real, it was like a real party house, but I was kind of past the party house stage of my life. Yeah. You when know? you're a party dude, you don't care if there's like trees growing into your walls, but then when you're like trying to be a bit more of a responsible adult, it's like, well, yeah, right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> look, I, I, st- I still love a party. Like I love a good time. I think anyone that knows me knows that this is the case, but it was sort of like, I also like to be clean yeah. and I, you know, I like, I like hot water that works and I like, you know, smelling nice and whatever. So it was, it was, it was rough. But in that, in the lounge room of that house was, uh, one of my housemates, uh, Liz, uh, was playing in a band with a girl named Rachel their band was called Battle Taco. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Battle Taco. Yeah, they were fucking sick too. It was just the two of them. It was great. Um, but Rachel would like leave her guitar stuff at our house and I would just like sit around playing her guitar. And that was when I wrote like the first Pagan Riffs was in this Whoa. in this house. So Tigers was still happening, but I was kind of like, oh, I'm, I think I'm ready to sort of to move on. And I, I was like, it was a weird time because I was super keen to start this new band and do it like actually do a band that like I wanted to like do in terms of like I had an idea for how I wanted something to sound and what I wanted the band to like look like and mm. what I wanted to and I knew exactly who I wanted in the band as well and but was also in this sort of like but can I be fucked mm. kind of mentality how many more times can i load up the van for yeah yeah belgrave um but i was really into i was really into this this stuff that i'd i'd kind of written and uh at this point too i i was working at uh i was working at skate shop fast times skateboarding in the city the one right near the hi-fi yeah right next door and uh xavier who plays or played guitar in pagan worked with me and Matt, who played drums, worked there as well. Oh no, shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and, amazing. And so we'd, we'd, the three of us had become friends. Uh, when I played in Cavalcade, they used to play in a band called Kill the Matador, who I fucking adored. Oh yeah, I remember those. Remember guys. them? Yeah, they were fucking amazing. Like I, I've got a Kill the Matador tattoo. Like that's, <laughs> that's my shittest tattoo. Combat <laughs> <laughs> <Not bad>, boys. <laughs> um, no, no, no. They, they, that. So like they, that was like. I think they were like the only people in my life that I've sweated that like where I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to be friends with them because I thought they were so cool. Um, so we'd been hanging out a lot and there'd been like some vague chats about maybe, maybe doing something or whatever, but that was kind of the same, same sort of mentality um, where they were sort of like, can, can we be fucked? Do we want to? Um, oh, and also, sorry. One thing, one sort of piece that I left out was I actually did do another band. I played in like a right girl, like punk band for a little while called Little Lamb and the Rosemary's. And that was with Nikki. Oh, that's the missing piece of that puzzle. Yeah. yeah. 
Right, so you played in that band as well. How, yeah. that, how did you end up getting like recruited to those guys? Uh, so I, my, my ex-girlfriend was her twin sister. Oh. Right, so it was something that we were kind of all doing together at yeah. the time. So um, that was, and that was that was that was fun actually. That that band played some fucking good shows. I, I must admit, like that was it was always pretty lively. Um, but that was it was. I always kind of felt like, oh, this is their thing, and they just need someone who can play the bass. So I'll just I'll just do it. You're like a hired gun in that yeah. situation. Um, but Nikki. Nikki was always just like this other level kind of performer. Yeah. So I was, and, and she was like, she was kind of the person that, that kind of introduced me to black metal, oh. which, which came really late for me. Um, but she was like always right into that. So we, um, I always, I had kind of had this thing where I was like, I'd love to do something that's kind of like heavy, but like Rocky with like, Nikki as kind of the front person, the centerpiece, the, like, you know, the, yeah, the front person basically. Cause in that band, she would like, she would yell a bit and it was sick, but I was like, oh, it'd be cool if she just did a band where she just did that. Like mm. it'd be fucking be gnarly. So, so yeah, basically I, I, I kind of pieced this. You're like, if I get the guys together. from Fast Times who I've already sweated and have a tattoo of, and yeah. I get Nikki in as well. <laughs> it's, my, can... it's like my dream man. Yeah. So, um, yeah, eventually I, I brought everyone together and we we um, we uh, wrote music for, like me, Matt and Zave wrote music for like three songs, I think, and then just kind of gave it gave her like phone demos or whatever and then... She um she wrote some stuff to it that we thought was cool and, and then we, we did a demo. Uh that was the first the first demo. Um but then after we recorded the demo, Matt fucked off to Europe for ages. Like he went on this full like self discovery journey. Like I think he was he was just out coming out of a like long long term relationship and just needed to get the fuck away. So we didn't do anything like we we had this demo for ages and, and like just, where'd you record the demo like oh well, we recorded that with um our, our friend Adrian Horsman who plays drums in like a, a ton of bands um and fuck like amazing drummer and he's his uh family have he's kind of set up like a studio at his like family family's house out in the out in the bush like Hurstbridge yeah side of town so we did that in like two days. Um, and it's, if you've heard it, I think, I I don't know if it's online anymore, but it's, it was, it was pretty raw. Like it was pretty rough, but it was, it was cool. And that, like, I think at least one of the songs on that ended up on the album. Oh, okay, cool. Which, which song was that? I think Fluorescent Snakes. So that was around from the get go. Like that was one of your first kind of early. Yeah. It had a different name. I can't remember what it was called. Let the, let the light in. That's something else. Let the blood rush. That's okay. It's a, ly- oh. it's a lyric in the song. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, we, we, we nested on that for ages. And then, then Matt came back and we, we, we like, I think the idea was we were going to do like a show and men and then just maybe nothing. Because um, again, did not- you feel like you'd had it out of your system now that you'd like recorded this thing and had this band? Like, what, 
it's weird to hear that after the success you guys had, that the initial idea was just to play like one show. This is the thing with Pagan is that everything in the beginning turned out way better than we thought it would. Ah. Because, I, and I think it was just because like the expectation was so low. Yeah. You know? It's like when you go in and watch a movie, like you heard it's crap and then you think it's going to be crap. So you walk in and you watch the movie. And you're like, oh, that was actually pretty good. Was it the same dive with like bands? Because you're like, oh, we all know what it's like to play in shows. We all know what it's like to do this and it's probably going to suck. But then it turned out it was like way better than that in like the response. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So like we, we, we put this demo online and I think it coincided with like the announcement of the first show or whatever. And it got like, not a like, you know, in the scheme of things, like, it wasn't like this fucking, you know, monumental reception or whatever. But for, for anything that any of us had done before, it was like, oh, fuck, like some people care. Like some people like this. This is cool. And then we played the the first show that we played was this huge, like, I don't know how the fuck I had the patience to book this show, but it was like six bands upstairs at the tote in trenches, I think headlined. Sick. Um our friend Adrian, who recorded the demo, his band, his band opened, his band opened, they were called Deadweight, and they opened because I filled in and went to Adelaide with them for a show. And I, I was like, dudes, don't worry about money or whatever. Just open the first Pagan show because we needed a band to open. And I didn't want to play first. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we, we played that show. Uh, we wore white. We all, that was like, we did. did Talking about did fashion, that is an iconic thing like i remember like i was talking with uh aaron from totally unicorn at that last show yeah and i joked i'm like no other band in victoria or australia or i don't know like this can wear white for a while because you guys kind of dominated the white look we did we did it for a little bit and yeah. then but i'm glad we didn't do it forever i'm glad it i'm at glad what, it was just sort of like at a, what point did you say all right no more white when did that was there a point in the in the band's trajectory when you're like, we've got to change the look up? i just don't think it was like an overly conscious thing i think it was more just like my honestly this is like this is this is the crappest reason for me i could never find like white pants that i like Dude, to fit off you can't find white jeans yeah. like i was gonna ask where you got them from because i'm like you know when fucking like i think i'd buy them from like top man and they didn't they never fit good yeah <laughs> and then when you're playing on stage you yeah. don't want to be worrying about like ass crack or like especially mm. when you wear yeah jeans that don't fit you it's no good yeah. So but did you guys have white jackets as well? I had a white jacket. Where'd you get the white jacket from? It was a gift. It was, uh, I think, um, uh, a dude, a, a dude that Nikki dated for a, a long time. Um, he worked at a like denim place, and he he hooked me up with it. Sick. And that, yeah, that got a good run. That it's jacket. iconic look, man. The all white denim <laughs> thing, you know. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of people started doing it. Not not after us. I think a lot of people were doing it kind of at the same time, just not in like heavy music. Mm. Um, like to, you know, to the best of my knowledge, obviously. But um, I think just the, being very modest is what you're saying is, and you started a trend. Well, <laughs> no, to be honest, uh, where we where we got the idea for the white from was um, there was a skateboarder that Matt Zave and I all adored and still adore, but he he passed away, Dylan Reader. Um, and there's this like iconic photo of him wearing all white, and we were that was like. That's fucking sick. Cool. That's, so that's where that's. I'm pretty sure that's where that came from. See these little nuggets, and I'm sure listeners are being like, "Oh fuck, I had no idea." It's so interesting. Great <laughs> podcast, Rory and Danny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's 
amazing. So was it like an iconic sc- like shot of him like doing a kickflip in like midair wearing white? Or was no, it just like a- no, he's dude, he was he was the hottest man in history. Like he was literally like it's such a tragedy. Like he was so young when he passed away. Oh, dude. He had like leukemia, I'm pretty sure. Oh, and dude. uh but he was just like such a such a handsome dude. And he did a lot of modeling as well. Like he was in like Corona commercials and stuff. Whoa. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure just off the top of my head, I'd have to look for it, but it was just a photo of him just hanging out. Wearing um, all white. Wearing all white. And so that, that was, I'm pretty sure that's where the idea came from. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, we, we play this first show and. So were you, you weren't wearing all white then that came later, right? No, no, no. The first show the was first all white. The first show you were wearing all white as well? I think. Maybe the three, like you me, guys- Matt, me, Matt, and Zave wore white, and I think Nikki wore all black. Come to think of it, mm. and I feel like maybe the idea at initially was we were going to rotate, so we'd all wear black and she'd wear white, and it was, would just be this this thing. This is because this is what you talk about at rehearsal when no one can be bothered. Yeah, when you should be writing something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but no, that show that show ended up like over cap. Um, yeah, it was good, and it was, it was, it was on Good Friday too. So I think it was just like a lot of chips stacked up really well for it, but it was great. So then we, we, were, and that that was that was the thing with Pagan. It was just it would just things just snowballed because it was, it was good. I think the second second and third shows maybe that we played with like fucking shit. <laughs> It all started to crumble. Yeah, but <laughs> but in the on the other end of the spectrum, like I think that we were getting a lot of really good feedback on the demo, so that was sort of the incentive to to want to keep doing stuff. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's all you're looking for when you're in a band, right? It's just like just like it's the same as doing this podcast. Like if I have one person who messages me and say great episode, I'm like, wow, I'm doing another one then. But oh, like, dude, it's, you're doing it. You're doing it for a reason, well, right? Like th- you're doing it to be heard. Exactly. Like this is this is the thing is that you hear you hear people say stuff like, oh, you know, I don't, I, I just make music for myself, and it's like, no, you fucking don't. You liar. Like you like obviously obviously you do it for self fulfillment, a hundred percent. But there comes a time, like the second that you decide to then put that music on the internet, it's not for yourself anymore, you fucking artist. Like, that's garbage. Yeah. And there's nothing fucking better than someone telling you that they like what you're doing. Yeah. Regardless of whether it's music, regardless, it could be your job. Like, just positive, positive reinforcement, reinforcement is yeah. the best. Yeah. So, I think that was, uh, yeah, that, that was kind of the thing. Um, so, yeah. That, and then <laughs> things just snowballed it's from so, there. It's so true. Oh, though. man, like, I just hate the bullshit. Hey, like, I just hate, like, uh, people just try to be so fucking, like, uh, self-righteous about art, you know? It's like, just, yeah. you know. Just admit it that you like being on stage and playing fucking exactly, sweet Because it's mad. It's yeah. sick. You know, it's a good oh, feeling. Yeah, of course. Embrace it. it. <laughs> You're looking all cool up there with your white people mm. being like, oh, look at this dude. He's probably got yeah, a cool name. I don't like- feel like a fucking idiot at all. <laughs> I'm doing this for you, not for me. <laughs> yeah, you should be thanking me for putting all this time. <laughs> so, what time. So what year was this? When did Pagan start? Because you guys were around for a good couple of years, but it felt like you guys were instantly like at a point. 
you know, but I'm sure it would have been a slow rise. Like, when did you feel like, you know, you were like in a band, like that people, like, like, so for example, I messaged some of my friends today and yeah. I was like, oh, I've got Danny from Pagan coming on the show. And they're like, oh, she's sick. Yeah, I got a Pagan shirt and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, like there are people out there that know, like, and I guess with the Triple J reach that you guys had, like, mm. there's a whole bunch of fans that heard you on the radio. Yeah. Like, well, we never, we never actually got picked up by Triple J. You didn't? No, people just, I think people just thought Triple J played us. Yeah, but we, because how, they else never, it, how else did it get in the ears of people that I wouldn't expect to hear Pagan, you know? like Yeah, I don't, I'm not, Spotify I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, maybe it must have been. But no, every, every track we ever submitted to Triple J, they, they, they never picked it up. That is we, shocking to yeah. hear. Every now and then we'd get, there were people at Triple J that maybe didn't make the decisions that I think liked the band. So every now and then you might have heard it yeah like and every now and then i get a message from like my auntie being like oh here's a screenshot of my car radio and that's your song and that was cool but it wow. was yeah they never really they never really picked the band it up it was never in like a rotation like no a, we got played a lot on like um like josh mariel played us a lot on short fast loud which was really helpful for us for sure and he was on board like he was at that first show Sick too. Like there was a lot of people at that first show that really that knew there stuck was something. With us, yeah, I think. like they knew there was something in you guys to kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in, in I mean, in going back to your question, like I think there were probably two points for me where it started to feel like a, a proper band. The the f- the first one we we played. I think it was the first and only show we ever played with High Tension, and that was at the Croxton band room when they reopened it they threw a party in the front bar and it was just us and high tension and i felt like playing that to like their crowd kind of introduced us to a bunch of people that like would have probably liked what we were doing you know yeah like, for sure um i think it it uh so there was that but the the thing with that show was matt our drummer had a knee reconstruction Whoa. So he didn't play it. Um, my friend Luke Ashby, who played in Tigers, filled in at that show. So even though it was kind of like this really cool show, it was sort of like... A bit of a bummer? Not like, yeah, it, it, it was because it was sort of like, this is this is Matt's thing. He should be here for this because this, this is a really good show, you know? But, it, but there was that. But I think that definitely like the turning point for us was when, when Totally Unicorn took us on tour. And that was that was the first tour that we ever did, um, the first time we left the state, um, and that I think had that tour not been so fun, and just like it was the fucking best. That was the best that tour. That was so much fun. Yeah. If that tour was shit, I think Pagan would have like disintegrated almost immediately. It was so fun, and I, I think that we we made a decision there and then. We were like, let's keep doing this, like let's let's keep touring and let's see let's see what happens. So um, again, with no no like, well, let's fucking try and be this try and be this big thing. But it was sort of like this is something that I think we we all want to put time and energy into, and and you know use this as an outlet for to to try and you know create something that we're all. Yeah. We can all be excited. And about. how soon in to Pagan's kind of, you know, a birthing was this tour? Like how long have you guys been a band for at this point? 
So like I think if you include the like the pe- period the, the, of like not oh. doing anything, um, ah fuck, when was this? So this would have been like I can't even remember, dude. I think it was like three, maybe three years into the band, maybe four at the very latest. Yeah. Um, and we hadn't really put much out at this point too. So there was there was, so there not... was the demo that doesn't it's not online at the moment. Like no no no. Have you recorded, any, have you recorded singles? Yeah. Another... So by this point too, we'd put. Um, so this was the other idea that we had was we weren't going to do an album. We were just going to periodically release like a track at a time. Mm. That's pretty um, clever for this day and age now. So well, like, maybe you're ahead of the curve there as well. Well, to, like to be fair, it was kind of like. I think it was something that we noticed that a lot of the bands on Triple J were doing where they were just putting out singles and you, you keep on putting out singles and then eventually if someone's willing to give you some money to make a record, that's when you make a record. I think it's just a smart thing to do. Hmm. Um, you know, and uh, like all the power in the world to anyone who's like, fuck it, I just want to throw in a few grand and make a record because I, I love it. But again, we weren't in that mindset where this was something that we wanted to throw a ton of money at either. Yeah. So that was sort of the way the way it was working. So I think at this point, we'd maybe. I think we had a. V- I think it was like the third or fourth single that we released was to coincide with that unicorn tour. Right. Which was which was wine and lace. That was the first song with a disco beat. Yeah. So that was kind of like a lot was sort of the pagan sound. A lot was changing. Yeah. No. 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 It, it was. It was. I think we had a, we had a video out at the time as well for another song called "Good Grief," which was like an old single. To what was in that video? I don't think I've seen that one. I've seen you guys playing in the church. What uh, was that one? It's like it's like Nikki. Uh, it's gnarly. She had to do all this like fight training for it and stuff. Um, and she's like, she's an actor by trade. So she's friends with a lot of like filmmakers and stuff. And a friend like offered to do it, um, called in a bunch of favors. And it's, I think it's, I still think it's our best video to be honest, but oh, sick! it's her and she's kind of like fighting other girls and they're all like brunettes. So they kind of look like her and sort of like the idea is that it's kind of like her fighting against herself sort of thing. But yeah, I'm still really hyped on that video. I really like that one. Sick. Yeah. So you've done all this point at the, you've done all this at this point, and then you've gone on the tour totally in corn. You're like, right, this is it. Like we can do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that that like that was the the fun thing to us was like the recording and like maybe making videos and like that side of it was what was exciting. The totally unicorn tour was like, hey, touring is actually all you know, fun. We should do this more. Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of it, and I I still say to this like. Like the those totally unicorn dudes are like my best friends. Every like iteration of the band that I've known, <laughs> I've, there's been I've, a few. <laughs> yeah, I've loved every single person in that band. And I, had they not taken us on tour, I think like we wouldn't have we wouldn't have you know been presented with uh, you know anywhere near the amount of opportunities that would would later. Yeah, right. and you guys talked about that at the last show when you were on stage talking about thanking Totally Unicorn for that. I thought that was a really sweet moment between you know bands and friendship and it was like a kind of to lift the veil on like oh yeah like that's what it's all about it's not about yeah. like the girls and the money and the whatever it's like it's about just playing shows with your mates and i thought that was really yeah, well, sweet fuck, to like, it's de- you know, like definitely not about fucking money that's <laughs> but no like that that's i think that's one thing that i'll always be really proud of with pagan is that like we were always very i think we were always very genuine in 
like, uh, all, so not even genuine. We we were all ge- very genuinely grateful about people helping us out. Mm. Um, but uh, but also too, I think we were, you know, for for the most part, I think we were always very careful about like who we kind of let into the family as well, and mm. it was sort of like. You know, when you're when you're in, you're in. Like, Start, it's starting to sound very mafioso. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's kind of what I'm getting at. <laughs> Pagan's like a like a mafia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's that's good to hear because you know there's so many snakes floating around. You know, too many they, fucking snakes. And when dude. they sniff out like someone like Pagan, that's you know got this upward trajectory that you can kind of see coming. Like people would try and rinse you guys, right? Like if you if you let them. Yep. <laughs> And that's all you'll say about it? Yep. <laughs> Moving on then. So, <laughs> tell us about... So, like, at this point, you know, you're you're doing the tour, you're making it happen, you're like, fuck, we can actually do this. Is that when you started thinking about doing a full length? Uh, yeah, so not long... Not too long after that, I think... Um, I think we went in and we recorded... Uh, we recorded four more songs with... Um, and so by this point too, um, Mike Deslands is is recording everything that we do. So um, another like another person who member like, of the fa- of yeah La yeah Familia. yeah totally totally like but from that has become like one of my dearest friends and um, you know we've we've shared a lot together away from music I think you know um, but he um, so we go in and record like four more songs with him and before we put any of them out. Um, Lachlan Watt hits us up and basically says like, I've just started working for EVP. Um, you know, we've put out like Psychroptic records and King Parrot records and stuff. Um, I want you guys to be the first band that I sign if you're, if you're keen. Wow. And like at the time we we were like, what other, like what other label is there? Like really? Like, yeah, it just made sense. Um, so yeah, so we we signed we signed to EVP uh, under under the guise of Lachlan, which is another like another thing that I really appreciate happening because without that, I don't think we would have ever made an album. Mm. This is this is the thing. It was kind of like it's it's these snowballing events that led to the next thing always. So he was sort of like, "Don't put out those four songs. Um, let's just let's use those four songs as part of part of a you know." A, rec- oh, a, full a, length. a full length, yeah, yeah, right. Um, so they gave us they gave us a little bit of money, which which helped. At the same time, we um, we reached out to uh, Hassle Records in the UK, who are a label that hit us up like really early on, like re- like in the infancy of the band. They come, like how um, had they even heard? How were they? they came across the Bandcamp, I think. Whoa, yeah, like just it was just a chance thing. Um, so we kind of, we, we sort of hit them up and we were like, you know, you, your label's cool. You put out some cool stuff. Um, we're going to be doing a label with this. Uh, we're going to be doing a record with this label in Australia. Do you guys want to maybe, maybe jump in on it and do the, do the UK European release? And they were, they were super keen. Wow. So between the two labels, like we didn't have like a ton of money or whatever, but that was sort of like. That was enough for us to be like, okay, maybe we can actually afford to like do this record with Mike, and um, you know, not that Mike is charges very much; it doesn't charge enough, if you ask me. But 
but yeah, so that that was kind of it. It was sort of like, okay, um, we, we this is kind of a possibility now. I think we can do it. So yeah, put our heads down and wrote uh, wrote Blackwash the record. Yeah, yeah. And how long did that take as a process? Like, because well, once you've got like signed by EVP and you have like, was there pressure to get it done by a certain time, or did you have like? There was a, they had a, they had like kind of a timeline in mind, like the two labels worked together to kind of work out what was going to work in terms of both of their release schedules and and all of that sort of thing. I think the Australian release came out a little bit before the UK one did from memory, but we, so there was a bit of a deadline, but also like in fairness, there's songs on the record. Like I said, like there was a song from the demo. There was a couple of the like singles then we already had this stockpile of like four songs already written. So technically like the album, the span of the album, it took years, but actually like the point where we were like, okay, now we have to start thinking about running a record. It wasn't all that long. I feel like that was only like six months or something. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. To write like the, the re- to fill out the rest of the record essentially. Yeah. <laughs> Throwing like an intro track in at the start, you yep. know. Yeah. Like- <laughs> Slaughing. Uh huh. <laughs> I still think that album's too long. Actually, like I, I, I wish it had less songs on it. That's, that's. It's like one song too many. Were there any of those songs you just never played live? Like you just recorded it and you're like, yeah, we're never gonna play that though on the set list. Uh, we, I think the only song, so we recorded, I think the only song that we didn't play live for a long time, was a song called "The Greatest Love Songs." And I, I, even still today, I think like if I could do the album again, I probably wouldn't put that song on it. I just don't love it. But um, it ended up, we ended up like we finally played it. I feel like, I feel like we had to because we had to play for an hour or something. So it was like, <laughs> oh, we better play that song that we don't play. Unless you're gonna like learn a cover yeah. and like, <laughs> throw that in the mix. Um, but and there was another song that we recorded that ended up being the B side to there was a seven, we did Death Before Disco seven inch that came out before the album, and there was a B side on that called Church of the Black Wash, which is actually a fucking I, I really like that song, but we never I don't think we I don't even know if we ever played it at a show I can't remember but because of like technical limitations or yeah because- Zave hated it it was like a really hard song for him I think. He fucking just throw it, Zave. Yeah. yeah, he no, was the only the, guy. Everyone else wanted to do it. Yeah, <laughs> Zave's like Zave's really funny in that like he he would be like his reasons for like not wanting to do something were always really funny. Like he's just like, no, I don't fucking play this song because like after fucking like my my index finger and my pinky finger, man, like I have to stretch them real far. I fucking hate it. It stresses me out. But so it, yeah, we just wouldn't do it. <laughs> He's just listening to this right now, being like, fuck Fucking you. Fucking Dan. <laughs> I love that boy so much. With all my heart. What a guitar player. Yeah. Yeah. What a fucking guitar player. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that'll make him feel better about yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apart from his apart from his fucking, you know Pinky finger stretching. Yeah, he's yeah. Solid. Phalange limitations. <laughs> uh he's um a fucking he's a ripper on the guitar. It's great. <laughs> Oh man! So, what year did Blackwash come out? Or was that like how many years ago was that? Two, now? That was two thousand and two thousand and eighteen, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say it didn't feel like very long ago, but then now we're already like halfway through twenty twenty, and it's like fuck. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It, so was, it was. It was. Too, it was June, June or July twenty twenty. 
I'm Fuck. pretty sure. Yeah. So so at that point, so you've got the album's out. Mm-hmm. It's out in Europe. You said you played Europe, so I'm assuming you went and toured after the album was out. Yeah. So that was um that was sort of the doing of of the Hassle Record guys, and they kind of booked that first European run that we did, um, of just sort of like smaller shows through like the UK. We went to Germany. Um probably one or two other countries. Uh like Amsterdam. I think we played Amsterdam. Sick. Um, and how was that as an experience? Was that was that the so, first time you've played internationally as a Yeah, it was it it what well, like ever. So yeah. so it was pretty it was pretty sick. It was grueling. Like it was it was tough. And I'm sure like any band that, that does it the way that we did it, which was just like in the in a van. We were lucky, like we had a tour manager who did all the driving, which was like a luxury we weren't used to. Um, Who's usually doing the driving If you guys are doing like interstate shows Oh we, we would just like We would just split it between yeah. us But um, this was I think And like this is again like By this point too I'm almost 30 I think So like I think if we had to drive that tour On on our own I would have been like fuck this This, is, this isn't fun You know It's so precious man we're not like we're not we're not like road dogs, you know. We never we never really were. Again, we just like being clean and smelling good. <laughs> <laughs> what about clothes on stage? If you're touring Europe, and, you know, and like what, what was huh. the what was the outfit at this point? You know, you did the white at this point. No, nah, by this point, it was it was it was pretty well pretty well gone. So yeah. it was. Uh, so like, it, how do you do your outfits on stage each night when you're sweating it up, and the next day, like, are you doing laundry like in the middle of the tour? There was or? a yeah, there there, uh, there was a few like laundry stops. I think I feel like I did laundry less than everyone, but I bought more than everyone for that reason. That's a smarter move. Yeah, man. Whenever I go traveling, I just like buy extra shirts wherever I am, so I don't have yeah. to wash. And any like hostel laundries are always like real dingy, and like the dryers never really dry <laughs> your clothes. And if they do, they're gonna shrink your shit as well. Yeah, which is fuck like, that. Kind of that. Kind of that. No. Kind of that. So yeah, that was that. <laughs> that was the hardest part of tour. Yeah, it was, that was tough. Um, but no, so we, we we came we came back from that, and it was uh, again. It was it like I think we were in a we we're in a good headspace, but I think I think there was already a little bit of like, fuck. That was that was pretty tough. Grueling. Like, and again, maybe slipping into that mindset of like. How sustainable is this for all of us? Mm. Um, yeah. So. And the machine started spinning now, you know? Yeah, like, it's the thing. We were getting tired when everyone from the wants- outside, it seemed like there was a lot of momentum. Yeah. Which is, a, which is an interesting situation to be in. And it's a very interesting situation. Like when I heard you guys are doing a last show, I was like, what? Yeah. That band that's on Triple J all the time, <laughs> which I now realize wasn't true. No. Because um, no. I just, it was, it was funny when like, like my ex-girlfriend would be like playing Pagan in the house. And I'm like, how have you heard of this? Like, how do you know this exists? You know, like she's not boots on the ground going to shows like the way you know, in that, at that time when you're in that kind of band in that scene, like that's how you yeah. discover those bands, you know, like, so there was some kind of undercurrent going on where it was reaching people that it wouldn't usually. And I, you know what we had, this is, I'll tell you how this is probably the case is that the first time we ever used a publicist oh. was, um, was my very good friend, Jenna Alexopoulos, who used to run um, super duper PR. And the reason that I chose her 
as opposed to maybe like a more kind of like heavy music PR company or whatever was for that reason. So she got us interviews. Like I did an interview for like Frankie magazine. Whoa. Yeah. Did they take a photo of you in your like bougie apartment? <laughs> no, with, like, I wish. Cool oh, dude, when I say like it was like the interview was smaller on the page than like this tarot card that's in front of me, <laughs> which I, th- I think we're up to sort eight or something. By <laughs> <laughs> but um, oh, that Euro tour put a couple of swords in your back, I reckon. Yeah, but that, like I remember that was like it was it was super cool, but like real weird. They were like, "Who's your pop culture icon?" And, and did like, you say Chino Marina? No, I said I think I, I said Madonna. Mm. And that was, like, that was a whole part of my childhood too That we missed out on But it's too was, late to go back Who was now. playing Madonna in the house when you were growing up? Or was uh, it just those videos? Because they were raunchy as fuck Well, the videos helped a lot Just with me discovering like, you know my, <laughs> Your interest in women My interest in women But um, no, the uh, my I spent a lot of time I have like twin aunties And they were both way into Madonna And they would blast Immaculate Collection And I still Is that the blue Is that the blue Yeah Yeah, dude my mum had that as well Oh man It's it's like the best Best of Ever And they'd um, They'd dress me up Like Madonna And make me like Perform for them As well Which (laughs) probably Which also Probably uh, It's turned into a psych section Yeah (laughs) (laughs) They used to dress me up Yeah Uh, So yeah There was Yeah I was Yeah right into like pop music as well as a little yeah little fuck yeah too. but yeah. I guess there's always a poppy kind of sound that comes from Pagan even though it's heavy like the riffs are heavy and it's like it's a heavy band yeah, but yeah. it's still it, you know it, it's got that disco-y beat it's got totally that, you know? everyone in the band was like a big fan of of pop music and also like um like like Nikki really liked like the yeah yeah yeahs mm. um and I was right into like at one point I was right, right into bands like Block Party and the Bravery and stuff who all oh, yeah. kind of like there was a resurgence of bands doing those like disco beats and stuff and yeah. those dance parts so that was all kind never, of a part of it yeah too. I never made that connection but you're right it's totally like yeah I, yeah. I also really like yeah yeah I've seen them live a couple of times they're yeah, fucking amazing they're great. yeah amazing um, and even like Blood Brothers or like bands like that too were a big like that was I was drawing on a lot of that. Because one of the doesn't the guitarist in Yeah 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 doesn't he have a tie to that kind of? Doesn't he? Didn't he, he does, play with yeah, those he did, guys? He or? Did a, or does or did a band called Headwound City with yeah. some of the Blood Brothers dudes and like Justin Pearson from The Locust and yeah yeah so that that all that world he is always had that even though he was like super famous in this Yeah 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 scene he kind of had cred and he's like oh no he's like well totally and all that that world was such a big influence on on the stuff that I was was trying to achieve with Pagan as well I think subconsciously mm. and then like Refused as well was another huge one like a huge one in terms of some of the stuff I was writing too. Yeah, so. sick. And that was all, you know, they were all these fucking moving and shaking and, <laughs> you know. Yeah, they were. They I love, were yeah, I love that stuff. I think it's cool. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so, okay, so we, we've, we've jumped across, but you're in Frankie mm. Magazine, you got a PR person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, I was in Frankie Mag. Uh, just, we're just, doing PR <laughs> campaigns. You know. Hey, that's... You, Changed my name to Danny Hollywood at this point. <laughs> Danny Hollywood, that's got some legs. You could, you it's could. not bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bit more of like a porn starry starry name. It like is, Danny but that's Hollywood, what happens like, after your band breaks up. That's this is where you have to you start make, getting into porn, like yeah. you know, <laughs> hanging out with some nefarious people. Yeah. yeah. End up like dead in an apartment somewhere eating totally. yogurt. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, so you. <laughs> 
<laughs> so the PR train's kind of rolling, which yeah. is creating this kind of larger... Like, dude, yeah. like the neon sign. Like, let's talk about the iconic fucking pagan neon sign, which was stolen at one point. Is that right? Like, Yeah, we got the, it got stolen. So, uh, like... It was after the second time I came back from Europe. That was a real kick in the teeth. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Like, oh, like... So, yeah. Tell us about, like, A, the formation of the... Ne- like, who whose idea was it for the neon sign? Like... The neon, neon sign was was my my call. Um, so I, I guess the the backstory is that the cross came first, and that started. We started putting that on merch first. Yeah, and that was our friend Dave Long, who worked at Fast Times as well, actually. Oh, because I was um, going to ask that. Who did all the design for? Pagan? Yeah, like, so did, so that was out. That was outsourced to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So initially, initially Dave Long was doing it all, um, and he. So the other thing that I think that we were lucky with at the time that Pagan started as well is like Doom was real cool. Mm. So like t-shirts with a fucking witch on it were like a guaranteed seller, right? And so obviously like that that all kind of inadvertently that that kind of that Played was the aesthetic the that we yeah. were early on we were we were you know quite into the you know trying to push this kind of like occult kind of yeah. Thing, but Dave, Dave did this. We were we needed to do shirts, and Dave was like, oh, "I'll design something for you." And then he came back with like ten shirt designs. Whoa! Yeah, and I remember scrolling through them, and I remember there's one one shirt which just had that cross as like a pocket print with with the candle on top. The as candle, well? yeah, yeah that, wow. The the first kind of like incarnation of that, and I just like I remember seeing it, and I remember being like, "That's." That's it. Like that's people will buy the fuck out of that. Yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's that's sick. And I was like, I, I just it was the, this kind of like I was enamored by it because I was like, if I was a a kid and I found a band's record or I saw a shirt by a band and I saw that iconography, I would want to know what it means. Like I would I would be desperate to find out what that was just so I could wear the fucking shirt. Like, mm. It's so Because you can't cool. be a poser wearing the shirt and not knowing what it is. No, exactly. God, oh. God forbid. God forbid. <laughs> I remember one time I was at like school in high school and someone was wearing like a Terra t-shirt. He was yeah. like a normie. And I was like, oh, you into Terra? He's like, what? I'm like, the shirt you're wearing. He's like, oh, no. Nah. I was just like, what? Like, get the fuck out of town, you loser. You know, like some fucking douchebag at high school. And it's like, yeah, because no one wants to be that guy. Well, know? yeah, like. um, I get it. Yeah, uh, look, I actually, uh, caveat to this is, like... You I wear band shirts that you don't like the bands? Is that what you're not that I do, Not that I don't like them, but I, I do like... The, there is an element of, like, I, I think it's cool that... And it's kind of the reason why that cross was so important for us, I think, was that I like the fact that you can see something and you think it's cool enough to wear it without even necessarily... Making them needing make- to understand it, mm. um, you know, and and that's why like that Ramon shirt that everyone has is a fucking cool shirt. Yeah, um, it, it 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 transcends. It transcends. Yeah, 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 totally. So I think that there is something kind of cool about about that. But you know, obviously, you you'd hate to wear a fucking lost profit shirt and not know. <laughs> yeah. You know, so yeah. it maybe do some. I don't research. think lost profit shirts are going off on Depop right now. <laughs> like no one's, no, no one's buying. No. <laughs> uh, moving on, there. 
Um, yeah, so, so he so we made the design. You yeah. picked that one out of the ten. You were like, "That's the shit." Yeah, it was it was cool. And a lot of the other shirts that he he designed were that kind of like, you know, skulls and fucking witches and pentagrams and stuff. And we were like, this doom thing that's happening right now is very cool, and everyone's right into it. But it's it's I don't necessarily think. A, that we we fit into that world. And I think that we we should maybe just try and like go the other way. But that cross, it was sort of like, so I think the shirt we ended up picking had like candles on the back and stuff. Mm. And uh, it was it was just a bit more subtle. And I think that that's what it was. It was like, let's let's like, we can be a part of that, but let's just try and back away from it a little bit and do it in a way that's a little bit more like... You guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I, I think that the what what's cool about that cross and the, the testament to like how like good a design it is is that eventually when the band kind of started being a little bit more like fruity and flamboyant um, and we, we were kind of thinking about like, well, what can we do to make the stage look cool that's not just like a banner? Mm. Or whatever, or a pop top one from like Office Works. Yes, <laughs> totally. Um, and I'd written a song. I love these like little tie-ins. I'd written a song in my old band Cavalcade that we talked about, and there was a lyric in one of the songs that talked about a neon cross on an old chapel. And I was that for some reason like that imagery has always just sort of stuck with me, and that was sort of like. Why don't we just do a neon cross that's not very big, right? And it's kind of like when we turn it on, whatever venue we're in isn't that venue anymore. It's like it's our venue. Like it's it's our fucking it's you're in our social club. Like it's Yeah, well like the last episode before you came on was Troy from Sunder talking about how he brings their own like they bring their own I lighting. love that stuff. Exactly, yeah. because what it does is and he described it as like putting you in their headspace when you yeah. go see that show. And it's the same thing. When that light goes on, it's like you're at a pagan show now. Totally. You know? Totally. So it's like, you know, we could be playing the nicest room or the shittest room or whatever. It doesn't really matter though, because mm. once that light is on, it's it's you're in another place. Yeah. And so and it, and it kind of like, it kind of went from being this kind of like, you know, metal looking, you know, inverted crucifix icon to this like fucking disco looking like yeah. thing. And I just, I don't know. I just, I think we're really lucky with that. Like we're really lucky that Dave kind of conceived that um, and that we saw something in it so early on that it ended up kind of suiting us, whatever you know, in every kind of stage that we were, we yeah. were going through. And that through. was the cover of the record as well, wasn't it? Was yeah, it? yeah, 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 yeah. It was just like, pretty much just that and just pagan blackwash. Uh, and it kind of like the background looked like leather, like it was a, like a, it was like a Bible. Sick. Yeah. <laughs> was that, and then who did the design for that stuff? Was that, was that all Dave as that well? That was all Dave. Or? Yeah, that was all Dave. So so he was in La Familia at that point. Yeah, da- yeah. Stuff. I love Dave. Um, Dave. Dave did basically everything for us. Up until the like the kind of the last run of touring that we did, and for that stuff, we we used another guy who worked at Fast Times. <laughs> Fucking everyone at that shop. 
had it's something amazing to do how with much them. how much of your life you've put from pastime <laughs> past really skateboarding. Amazing, dude. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, this dude named Louis Dodd who does really really cool stuff as well, and I think that we, um, we we it's funny because I think that that artwork is synonymous with our tastes changing, and ultimately us coming to realize that like maybe maybe pagan wasn't for us anymore because huh. we we were maybe growing, moving on a little bit. And you mean as a band you all changed or did you kind of go in different directions or like what was that what was that mo- like for, we, we didn't even get to the point where you know the lights got stolen <laughs> oh yeah yeah yeah. Well, so let's get back to let's let's do that and then let's get back to this because this is really interesting stuff no but-, but it all i mean it all kind of ties in so the we toured after we got back from europe the first time we toured australia pretty hard um we did a few like festivals we and then we did the we did another australian tour the evil eye tour which was fuck i can't remember it was a few shows like and that was a like we we were doing like a few regionals amongst the big cities and stuff Mm -hmm. and then that kind of ran over like three weeks and then we went to europe straight away i think like the day we had a day off and then flew to the uk and did uh fucking i can't remember it was like a long time in Europe. It was like five weeks or something. Whoa. Yeah. So it was pretty gnarly. It was a, it was it was a solid like eight nine weeks of just shows. And that's a wild thought when you're talking about like months before that you're already kind of like oh man I'm feeling it and then yeah. you gotta do all yeah. this and then do Australia a couple of times. and when you said festivals like what kind of festivals are you playing? Like- uh, we played like we we did like um what's it unified. Yeah, unified. right. I was gonna say Soundwave. <laughs> we played Unified. We played Unified. We did um, a couple of like smaller festivals. But yeah, that's still a big stuff. But it was cool. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, so you're doing all of this, and then you're doing another Australian tour, and then you go straight to Europe again. Where you're just like, Whoa. Was yeah. It, was there a bit of sense of dread in that, like, or was it exciting? Like, where were you guys well, at, kind of? Mentally? Well, there was. So going into that European tour, um, we. We, and I, I, you know, I I don't really want to like throw anyone under the bus per se, but we, by this point too, we'd, we'd, we'd taken on management as well. And that probably wasn't the smartest idea knowing that we were already quite fatigued. Mm. And I think it was a bit difficult for them to understand like why you, why, why can't you keep going just get up there and bang the drum monkey yeah yeah it, it was and it was like yeah but you were you weren't here for like the last six years where we've been fucking grinding like mm. so anyway there was um a lot of i don't want to say pressure because ultimately it was our choice at the end of the day but we it was a lot of push for us to get back to europe and ride this like train all right yeah and uh financially like i was fucked for money so i with all of this happening to I, I had to like quit my job and i was like working odd jobs just to like survive and pay the rent and stuff so i was like in a bad way financially um we all kind of were i think in our own ways um and we were sort of like 
the band didn't really have any money at the time either. So we we were like, how the fuck are we going to do this? Like, you know, and it was sort of like, we would say like, Hey, is this, is this even feasible right now? Like, sh- could we, could we just wait? Um, and it was, the response was like, no, 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 it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And you know, so look, cr- admittedly we got there in the end and, and it turned out fine, but we do this, we do this long European tour and um, by this point too, like everyone's, there was, there was, there was like some, some, some tension and stuff that, that sort I think just sort of grows out of being in a band. Like, and being stuck in a van with like people for a couple of weeks, you know, like it yeah. can't be easy when you just can't get away from people when yeah. you're just like, I just need like a minute to myself or I just need. For sure. And I think a, a few of us were dealing with some like personal stuff as well that was, that was ultimately resulting in us not necessarily treating each other in the best respect but when you're when you're like on the other side of the world from your problems the only person to blame is the person sitting next to you and i'm i'm as guilty of that as anyone in the band for sure yeah um but it was like yeah it was just this that that second european tour like there were a lot of great shows and a lot of really good good times that we had but i came we came back and i think we were just like what the fuck like this is so gnarly. And then we were met with like, okay, now you guys have to demo for the next record. And we were like, what the fuck? Like what? Demo what? So You guys haven't been writing like heaps of songs in the van? <laughs> well, admittedly, like we, we had found some time to write while all of this was happening. And there is like, like there's music for a second pagan record. Um, whether it's, great or not i don't i don't really know but it'd be so hard at that point because there's so many other people in the mix and there's like an expectation from the audience and then there's you guys musicians musicians wanting to kind of grow as well Mm. and not just do blackwash 2 which i think is the biggest thing when you're like a band that comes out of the gate you know because to people who hear you guys they're not going to hear the six years of grind they're gonna hear this one record and be like cool where's more and it's like totally like you know, yeah, like, and I definitely didn't want to do like the same thing again. Like yeah. I knew, like I was, vi- we were all very in the mindset of like, if we're going to do another record, it's going to be, it's going to be better and different to the first one. Was there any ideas kicking around that were like super wild, or like did anyone have to veto? Like, was there a full disco album in the works, or like <laughs> not really? I think it was just more of the spectrum. So it was sort of like there was some of the stuff that we we'd kind of started chipping away at was very poppy. But then some of it was like the heaviest stuff I think we'd we'd ever written. Oh wow! But that was and that was sort of what was worrying me though because I was like, is this is this cohesive? Tonally, was is it this gonna, gonna yeah. yeah? So that happened when we got back from Europe. About three days later, my car got broken into. They stole the neon cross and a bass. Oh, which bass? My my white P bass that I I loved oh, very dearly. Oh, dude! So even that, it was just this like what the fuck is going on? And like on that, that European tour to like my, my drinking got pretty out of control. Like just to, just to deal with like, it was just, it was just all I felt like I could do, you know? Like, um, was this like pre-show or after show or like all the time? Wow. All the time. It was, Yeah. yeah. I was the only time in my entire life where I've had a friend, um, Matt, Matt Marasco, God bless his, bless his heart like actually pull me aside and be like, dude, like what's up? 
Yeah. And that was like, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I've, I've ever like, I've never really had like a problem with alcohol before. And I don't think I had one, but it was but sort it was of the like. the only way to escape the problem. Well, yeah, the it was this, like, this like realization that like, dude, you're, you're, of, you're clearly not happy if this is, if this is what you're resorting to, you know? Mm. So, um, yeah, we come back very fatigued. We're, we're kind of getting pushed to like keep moving and, you know, ride this excitement around the band that's there. And we actually got offered, uh, no, I don't think many people would know this, but we got, we got offered a, a record deal with this US label. Um, and they offered us, they offered us 70 grand US. What? Yeah. To make, well, that was for the first record. It was a three album deal. Whoa. Which is, which is so much money. And, and this is a hard conversation to have with people because most people hear that and are like, why the fuck wouldn't you take it? Mm. But when your when your mental health is not in a good place and you're already like doing this thing that's not like you you know that you're not as passionate about when it first started and you're basically committing to owing this company money, so much money for the foreseeable oh, rest dude, of your and life. It's not just that. It's like, imagine like the recording process, music videos, like you guys would be in the hole. Like so much. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. So the, um, that was kind of uh, like for, for some of us at least that was sort of it. And we was like, well, if we're not in a place where we feel like taking this is a good idea, maybe that's, maybe that's it. Whoa. You know, that must've been a hard conversation to have. Like, how do you do a it band was, meeting when you talk about it that? Was a, it was, it was, a, it was a lot of conversations and it, look, admittedly a lot of it happened via like Facebook message and email, which I, Ooh. I regret a little bit. Um, but also I, I think I said a lot of things to, um, you know, a lot of the people involved that I don't think I would have been able to, a lot of things just about where my head was and how I kind of, kind of like, how shitty a place I was in that I probably wouldn't be able to, I feel, I wouldn't feel comfortable expressing in person. I don't think. Mm. Um, and you got to be really vulnerable too, to like kind of admit that to either yourself or bandmates. So well, it'd be easier to kind of do it. Yeah. Text. And it, look, I, I didn't have to, no one, you know, everyone, everyone kind of like expressed quite deeply the way they were feeling and stuff. And it ultimately was a unanimous feeling that, you know, the dynamic in the band had changed and, you know, this and that things, things were different. It was a lot of, there was a lot of layers that like, you know, there's stuff that I don't, I, I don't think needs to really be talked about, but, um, that was, but yeah, that was sort of, that was sort of it. Um, and then, so the band had ended, we'd, we'd already, um, we'd already signed on for that Amity Affliction tour that we did. So we did that tour. That was only three shows and it was so tough. It was so tough. In what way? Because you knew it. Just because we knew like... That the energy on stage is kind of forced at this point because it's not... You know what? No. I, the one thing I will say is that I don't ever feel like even though like the we knew the band was over, I don't ever think it compromised the show. I th I'm really proud of that. Like I think we still played really good shows. Everything that we... Like we saw out everything that we committed to. Mm. And... And I think that that's why, and I think that's why, like, it came as a shock to a lot of people when we when we did announce that the band was a huge shock to me, man. Was done. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, so I'm 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 
I'm really proud that the band went out like with some grace, you know, um, because I think if we tried to prolong it, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have turned out that way. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of it. I think the, the crux of it was like, for me anyway, was like, I was obsessed with this band when it started. I wasn't feeling that anymore. And mm. I don't want to like, I don't want to waste my time on doing things that don't feel like that. I'm not that enthusiastic about, you know? Yeah. Because like you were saying, if you got to finish those shows with that level of energy and enthusiasm, even mm. if it was a little bit forced, it's better to do that than fucking ride it out for a couple more years. And yeah. Just like end up hating yourself and others and drinking too much or no, whatever ends up happening, you know, cause totally, it's not, it yeah. wasn't going to end well from what it sounds like. For, for sure. And look, there's, look, there's always going to be a part of me that's going to have this like, ah, what if we did take that big record deal? Right. And I know, I know that like, but you know, the, like, fo- I guess like following on from all of that, like I'm such a happier person at this point than I was at that point. You know, I've like, I've, you know, so much, so much good has happened in my personal life since Pagan ended that like, I can't be bitter about it. I can't be, yeah. I can't question, I can't have that, that what if doesn't plague me because things turned out really well for me, you know, like, I, you know, so it's, 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 it's a happy story at the end of the day. Like it's yeah. a, and you all learn a lot and I'm sure that everyone's going to go on and, you know, maybe do different things or attempt different things, but it's got that sense of freshness and newness and excitement that was around when Pagan first started, For right? sure. Which is always going to be better than... For sure. And what, what I really like is that it, the band kind of ended the way we intended it to in the very beginning, which was not to fucking flog the dead horse and just it just be this thing that's exciting for a period of time and it it stops. Yeah, and you got to you were lucky enough to sell out what the the final show and you did two shows. Yeah. Friday and the Saturday, right? Like mm-hmm. was that like I joked with Aaron on the podcast that you guys must have thought that it was going to do that, but now talking to you it's like, yeah, you probably just want to do one last show, but then of course people are going to sh- turn up, so it's like Yeah, the only the only reason we did that second show um and this is why like we definitely didn't have it planned in advance. Yeah. That's why it had to be at a different venue because the first show was at Workers and then we did it at the the last show was at the curtain. Yeah. Um, was that, look, I, I was pretty sure that the first show was going to sell out. Sorry, the, the, like the final show. Yeah. But what I didn't expect was the amount of people that were disappointed about not being able to get to that last show, mm. which was a really incredible. There were people, thing. I was hanging out behind the merch desk <laughs> at your last show just yeah. because I was hanging out with Andrea who was back mm. there. And, also a former guest yes. on the show and people were saying they'd come from like fucking Canberra and stuff. So like yeah. they'd driven or people come from Adelaide. Like people had come from all over to see you guys yeah, play. And it, I was like, wow, that's it's, fucking it's crazy. It's wild. And that's uh, all of that too is like, that's again, why I think ending it the way we ended it was like the most like beautiful, perfect way to go out. Yeah. The fact that like there was still enough enthusiasm about the band for people to want to do that. That's sick. You know, yeah, can't, I can't really ask for anything more than that. And as a band that, as you said, were like tempted to like play one show and that's it. You mm. guys had a pretty wild ride in that whole time, so it's yeah. like, what more else could you ask for? No, you know? no, no. We we were we were very very fortunate. You know, we worked we worked hard for what we got, but we were very very fortunate to to get to do some things that like that. Uh, you know, bands that have been around much longer than us 
haven't or may never get to do, you know? So I will, I'll never take that for granted. Like that was, I feel, I feel very, very lucky with what that band, that band allowed me to do, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I think that what I, what I've learned from the whole thing though, is that like, as far as making music goes and stuff, like what I'm really proud of in terms of myself is that it definitely wasn't about turning it into a career or making any sort of, you know, getting this big deal or, or whatever. It wasn't, it wasn't about that for me. It was, it needs to be just something that I want to do. Yeah. You know? So yeah, man. And at the end of it, like, uh, were your mum and dad there at the. Yeah. 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 My mum, my mum and dad and my sister were there. Um, you know, and that was really special too. Like my, 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 my girlfriend was there as well, obviously. And, um, that, that like there's still an element this is like this is like the big sentimental tie-in that like i'm glad that my dad got to see what like kind of the end result of yeah all that hard work all of that stuff and ultimately the tie-in here is that it's essentially because he got me into music and then he put that last thought in your back (laughs) yeah (laughs) number 10 Tied in. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. No, that's we'll, we'll all right, We'll do a man. lightning round uh, to, to wrap this thing up. Yeah, And then cool. uh, you can get out of here. Thank you so much for coming down to my... My pleasure. I'm, lovely... I, I've rabbited on a little bit, but I'm. that was fun. Oh, no more than your average guest, man. Don't sweat <laughs> it. Um, all right. Let's uh, get these questions up. Question number one, analog or digital? Uh, it depends on the format. I guess. So like musically, analog or digital? Oh, um, you know, like if you're listening to music, like are you a vinyl guy? Are you a, you a streaming guy? Yeah. Right. Uh, I like, like I've got, I've got a, like a pretty good record collection, but I definitely listen to music digitally more out of, uh, just convenience, I suppose. Um, but I'm not like, I don't think I'm partial either way. Like I love the convenience of digital music and I, I love people that embrace digital music as well, but you know, Get, getting, uh, get putting a few records on, having a wine is fucking exquisite. <laughs> so, yeah, each each have their merits. Excellent. What time did you wake up today? Today I woke up at six thirty in the morning. I usually try to wake up at pretty early, uh, and I go for a, either a run or like a, a long walk before I have to start because I've been working from home, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, usually about six thirty. Very good. Last thing you read? The last thing I read. Uh, I started reading a book that, uh, that my girlfriend bought me called Murder in Matera, but I haven't finished it yet. Um, and it's been on the go for a while, admittedly. Uh, but it's, uh, basically a, a novel about, uh, a woman who traces her family's history back to Italy. I think it's a true story. And, uh, she basically finds out that like someone in her family is a murderer. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Don't read it now because I've just told you what happened. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> What's your first memory? The first memory. Fuck. I was telling someone about this the other day. I have this, I have this like vague memory of being lying on a bed and like crying, like screaming my eyes out, screaming my eyes out, crying my eyes out and looking up and seeing my grandparents not knowing what the fuck to do or how to make me stop crying. Whoa. So I feel like I would have been like, pretty 
little. Yeah, it's weird. When I ask this question, a lot of times when people bring up stuff, it's usually kind of like hectic memories that like yeah. must just burn <laughs> it was, into your brain. It was gnarly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's wild. Um, tea or coffee? Coffee, black. Ooh. Last thing you cooked? Uh, it, was, it was probably a, probably a pasta, I think. <laughs> yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah. My, it's on brand. Yeah. My, uh, my, my, my lovely girlfriend, Israel, is, is a tremendous cook. And uh, during this coronavirus period, uh, during, she's 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 studying, but she's not working, so she's had time to really uh, you know experiment in the kitchen. So You've got culinary skills, yeah. So it's been uh, it's been fucking great for my belly. Uh, but That's I have why those yeah. walks getting a bit longer. In well, the morning. yeah, totally. But uh, yeah, so I haven't been doing as much of the cooking as uh, as as usual. But it's I'm not complaining either. It's great. <laughs> if you could be reborn, who or what would you like to be? Uh, like a, probably like a flamingo. <laughs> yeah. Just so chill. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah. What's their predator? You're going to get hunted down by something if you're a flamingo though? Like this bright pink, lovely thing. Like, I they, don't know. What hunts run? a flamingo? I don't know. Poachers? <laughs> <laughs> you're going to get shot by some dude who wants to put you on a wall. That's all right. Uh, what inspires you? What inspires me? Oh, like lots of things, man. Like, I think, I think that's a, that's a, that's a very deep question for a lightning round um i don't know man i just i like um as i mean as far as music goes i i I like to i i like to look away from music to be inspired to make music a lot so a lot of film a lot of art skateboarding is still a big influence on me as well even though i don't do it anymore but like that culture is is you know always something that i look to Oh man, well. and when you think about um, like all the people that have kind of come from the skate world, like mm. people like Spike Jones and stuff, directing things. Like, uh, there's a I haven't watched it yet, but it's a doco about this uh, magazine called Big Brother, which was like a skate magazine yeah, back yeah, in yeah. the day that was like the kind of precursor to Jackass and yep. all those kind of things. Totally. And there's like a bit that I've seen where it's like they're talking about Spike Jones doing this like skate shoot, but it's like they've painted the whole wall red, but the scale, or like, I don't know. It's like all one color and it's like so amazing. Oh looking. yeah, man. Yeah. He did one, he did one where I can't remember which, like which company's video it was, but he like digitally removed the ramps from it. So it just looks like these, it just looks like these skateboarders are just doing these fucking huge ollies. Yeah. yeah. yeah like there's just, a lot of like that. That's, there's a lot of ingenuity coming out of that world. A lot of like, you know, yeah. in- interesting, creative people. So I, I dig that, man. That's yeah. really cool. Um, but yeah, what inspires me? I don't know. Lots of lots of things, man. Being uh, being back at work full time is actually quite inspiring to like do other things. Um, oh man, talk to me. Like when yeah. you're forced into only being creative for a couple of hours a day versus like having all the time in the world. I find that like with Corona for me as well. Like I was trying to do creative things while mm. you had all this time to kill, but it's like it doesn't work unless you've got this opposing. No, force, no, no, for sure, know? for sure, and and that I, that's another thing too that, that like it makes me enjoy music a lot more. Like I've been I've been. I've been writing a lot of music at home solely just because it's around these work hours and it's great. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's really good to hear, man. Um, favorite piece of music. Oh, wait, we've jumped, we've jumped across. Wait, last record you played. This doesn't have to be analog. This could be digital. It could be digital. Uh, 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 the last, last thing I listened to, I think was, uh, Oh man, I can't. I I can't remember the album. I think I think the last song that I was listening to was uh, there is a band called Desire. They're like a 
they make like disco music. They're on the record label called Italians Do It Better, which is I like I like everything on that label, not just because of the name of the label. But uh, there's a lot. It's a lot of like like disco stuff on that. Um, and this this Desire band, or I think it's like it could be like One Girl or something. But she's putting out new songs that are going to culminate in a record release, and that's really cool. I'm really into that. Sick. Um, what's your favorite piece of musical equipment? I've I've got a I've got a Fender Precision bass that I bought when I was eighteen. I saved up all. I worked. I got a summer job at JB Hi-Fi. I didn't see my friends all summer and I saved up and bought this bass. I worked at JB back in the day as well. What mm. department were you in? Uh, like, I don't know. I just gravitated to the punk bit because like... But, oh, so you were in music? Like you were... Yeah, I was in CDs. Yeah, yeah, CDs. But usually all I did was like restack the top 40 wall. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Got that bass though. Yeah. yeah. Um, last movie you saw? Last movie I saw was... Fuck. Uh, we watched something the other night. Well, man, coronavirus. I've seen so many fucking films and shows. Jesus Christ. Um, I can't remember what the last movie... Oh, the last movie I think we watched was Best in Show. Have you seen that? Oh, yeah. Amazing. It's so funny. It's so funny. So we yeah. watched... Yeah, I think that was the last movie that we watched. And That's the uh, dog one, yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like Christopher Guest. Yeah, like, all the Spinal Tap dudes yeah, yeah. waiting for Guffman and all that So stuff. great. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Uh, who do you love? My girlfriend, Israel. Oh, um, do you have any pets? Uh, well, she like I've inherited her cat, Puss, who is the sweetest, the sweetest old lady. I love her very dearly. Awesome. Are you useful? Depends on who you would ask. <laughs> <laughs> who would say no, and who would say yes? Uh, my my girlfriend. Answer may vary from day to day. Um, no, I, I think, I think that, I think that she and most people would say I'm, I'm useful. Good. I think I'm useful. What's your biggest fear? Uh, maybe like, uh, I, I have two. Losing, losing like a hand. Oh, is a big one, and uh, I, I hate like, I hate frogs, dude. What? I'm deathly afraid of frogs. <laughs> what about That's funny, frogs huh? scare you? Like, is it just that their movement that they can it's, kind of? It's, hop you know what? It's it's frogs are my go-to, but basically, like even like little like lizards, like skinks, just any like small, super fast, erratic moving creature. Yeah, I just I hate it, man. I hate the movements. I, it's like if I can't track where it is, I I freak out. Especially like with lizards and stuff, you always kind of see them out of the corner of your eye and they slink off somewhere. Yeah. So it's like, you don't know where they've gone. Yeah, totally. It's uh, yeah. Yuck. Yuck. <laughs> what do you value the most? Uh, I like at this point in my life, uh, just, 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 just my friends and my family given, especially given like given recent times too. And you can't fucking see anybody as yeah. well. Um, it's yeah. That just, it's, fucking pretty go-to answer hey but i don't know i'm pretty lucky I'm, I'm surrounded by a lot of good positive people it's so, awesome yeah um can you do any voices or accents i can do like western suburbs like <laughs> everyone yeah. you went to high school I do one of my fingers I do like this do you like this voice rory 
if you hung out Saying with Rory t- is hard in that voice. Yeah, because the rolling the yeah. R's. <laughs> yeah. So in like Rory. A, in Italian at school, they couldn't give me like an Italian name. They gave me Ruggiero, which is Ruggiero. Like, yeah, yeah, right. Which is like Roger, but yeah. it's like the closest that Italian teacher could do. But like <laughs> yeah. even that's like you got to really roll the R's, yeah. you know, Ruggiero. Yeah, yeah. that's um, probably my my favorite voice that I do. <laughs> That's actually my real voice. I've been doing a voice this whole. Yeah, this when you get time. home, you just get back to home. Yeah. Mate, I just did this podcast. Uh, baby, we're still awake. <laughs> and then she'll tell me to fuck off. It's going to be great. <laughs> Anime or Disney? Oh, uh, I, think, I think Disney. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Autobots or Decepticons? Oh, I'm not a big like Transformers guy. Maybe like the Decepticons, just because they're like a bit, a bit gnarly. Yeah, a bit naughty. Uh, are you more of a Batman <laughs> or a Robin? Uh, I'm a, I'm a Robin. Yes, I think you might be the first person this podcast to say you're a Robin. Tell really? me why. Yeah, I just like I, 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 I like not being like of like a focal point. I think I, I like like even like in um to to kind of like to kind of like alter this question, if this question was about the Sopranos, <laughs> my favorite, like my favorite character on the Sopranos is Silvio. Cause he's kind of like Tony's right hand man. Now I got, I got to stop you there with no spoilers. So I've watched Sopranos yet. It's in my torrent bay that I'm going to, oh, no, that, that that's because, all I'm going to say. Like, but yeah, I yeah. don't want, cause people are like, why are you watch the Sopranos yet? I'm like, fuck, I just started watching Deadwood, which is like another revelation to me. It's like, I got to see that. I, yeah. I it's good. Yeah. So yeah. So I'm in that same boat where now I'm going to start saying to people, how are you fucking not seeing Deadwood yet? But I haven't seen Sopranos. So it's yeah. like, we'll sort that out. Cause yeah. it's, no, it's, do it, it's, it's do the it best, and right? report back. Yeah. It's, it's, oh, it's like life changing, dude. It's, it's so life changing, but yeah, I like you're a Silvio. Should I make the question for any guests come on with Italian descent to be like, are you yeah, like, probably. Are you a Tony probably. or a Silvio? But yeah, no, I've always, I've always had an affinity for like the, the right, you know, the, 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 the sidekick, the, you know, the right hand man or woman, you know, yeah. is always more interesting to me than, than, you know, kind of the, the face. Love it. Thank you so much for saying Robin. Uh, what's your favorite Ninja Turtle? Did you have a favorite Ninja Turtle? Oh yeah. Uh, fuck the Raphael. Cause he, he just, he just had so much baggage, dude. He was just so <laughs> fucking conflicted. He was so angry. Yeah. Yeah. He was an angry loner. Yeah. Um, is there a movie you could watch every day and not get sick of? Uh, there's there's two. Uh, I could watch Big Fish. Oh, the Tim the Burton The Tim Burton one? film, which is, which is weird because it's like a Tim Burton film. I but feel it's... like someone said that before on this podcast. They've mentioned Big Fish. And I'm like, yeah, right. It's yeah. A, it's a wild movie. Yeah. It's, be- it's, it's stunning, that film. That story is amazing. Um, and uh, there's a film called Risk Cutters. Um, oh yeah, you mentioned is, that on on an Instagram thing once when you were talking about like your it was like a yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. good memory good memory. I've never seen that movie though, but yeah, I remember the cover because it was like it's like a hand with like the lines like going down to like cut here kind of thing. Wasn't yeah, it, yeah, 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 yeah. The, the 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 premise is basically about where you go when you commit suicide, and it sounds like a pretty bleak premise, but it's it's actually quite a like like. It's really kind of because like isn't uplifting. it called Rif- wrist cutters in uh, semicolon a love, a love story? story. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I could watch that any day of the week. It's, a, it's beautiful, amazing. Uh, what country do you want to visit the most? Uh, Italy. You never been? Never. Not after all these UK tours and European. No, tours we and... never got there. Oh man, we never got there. So yeah, Italy, and I want to go back to Japan. Yeah, pretty soon see. too. But Italy, Italy is like still top of the bucket list. Excellent. And uh, famous last words. Any words that, you know, other than like, I am the king. 
<laughs> was that the line? Was that the thing on your tattoo? I'm still the king. Um, <laughs> I'm still the king. What else? What else you got? Any other famous last words you like resonated with you? No, I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, what would I say if it was if they were mine? Uh, some people kind of remember quotes they like, or I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of open to interpretation. Just have a good one. <laughs> That's a great way to end this podcast. Danny, thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure, mate. Absolute (laughs) pleasure. Oh, g'day. Welcome to the Post Ramble. Uh, I'll be honest with you guys. I tried to do this Post Ramble like a billion times and I had to literally walk away. Like, just walk away, Rory. Go down JB (laughs) Hi-Fi. And come back and do it again and that's what we're doing right now anyway so welcome to the post ramble i hope you appreciate it i just wanted you to appreciate how many times i attempted to do it how many wasted minutes i sat here hunched over this microphone trying to remember the things i'm trying to say about this episode and trying to also make it feel like it's straight afterwards because when i recorded this with danny it was actually last week and now it's this week and it's just like oh yeah it's been a it's been a, it's been a week you know things have happened um as they always do it's a crazy time but particularly now, very fucking crazy. And it just feels like, yeah, I don't know. What was recorded a week ago almost feels irrelevant now because of what's happened, which is fucking wild. Um, but anyway, we're here amongst all the chaos and uh, we're having a chat. And we just had a really lovely talk with Danny from Pagan. Um, I met Danny at the Bendigo Hotel on New Year's Eve when the Pagan played New Year's. And I was introduced to him by a uh, fellow... FUTL alum Luke Toomey so the three of us had a nice little chat on New Year's Eve which was cool and I was like oh that guy's cool you should come on the podcast um, and then when I did the Aaron Streetfield episode with Totally Unicorn that happened to be before the final Pagan gig so I was like fuck well I'm here I should have another chat to Danny and we had a bit of a chat after the gig which was great and I had a couple of drinks and then we just started chatting I was like dude you should come on the podcast and he's like yeah that sounds great and then we just never got around to doing it for so long because of COVID and because of all the other craziness and then once restrictions eased Danny came over to the Sanctum we had a lovely chat about all that stuff that you just heard um, just in mini meta commentary it's so funny when people talk about that at the end of a podcast like oh, I remember that it's like yeah I remember it I was just there you know it's a weird thing that we do and it's just like normal now for podcasting to do that but I love it um Anyway, where was I? So Danny came over, we did the podcast, it was great, had a really nice time. And uh, I've made a YouTube playlist again, because that's really fun when I'm like listening back to the episode or if I'm like editing it and cutting it together or I figuring out what I'm going to say for the post ramble. You're like, oh man, yeah, there's some fucking, we did talk about some funny clips and things. So I've put them all on YouTube, you can check them out uh, on a playlist that I have linked in the description of this episode. If you read links of episodes to podcasts which i don't do very often but if you do this time you will be rewarded with a youtube playlist that i've just made of all the stuff that we talked about like uh the living end on recovery and uh at the drive-in and afi in the sing the sorrow era you know like that real that real good long hair davy havoc man what a fucking some hairdos on that guy man he's uh he's nailed that shit <laughs> anyway so yeah so you can check out that youtube playlist it'll keep you immersed in uh, the, the the Danny Danny Bonici world, the Danny Vegas world. If you want to go take a take a trip to Danny Vegas, you can check out this YouTube playlist. Yeah, that's a thing. Um, to to also keep yourself immersed in that world, man. I keep myself immersed. I've been watching The Sopranos after 
Danny's recommendation, being a Silvio as opposed to a, to a Tony. And I understand that reference a little bit more now because I've watched like 10 episodes of The Sopranos in the last week, and man, it's good. Really good show. So if you've never watched The Sopranos, you should, uh, you should check that out. Um, however, you check out... I don't think it's on streaming, so you have to just essentially get like a DVD box set from the op shop. I think that might be your option, uh, unless you want to head to a legal means, which I cannot condone. Um, yeah, and lastly, I started a Patreon. So I know that it's a crazy time right now to be handing money away when you may not have very much of it, and uh, there are certainly more people deserving than me. But if you do like the show and you want to support it, you can now. So that's patreon.com slash F-U-T-L. Uh, I've just done one tier. It's just like the standard $1 one. I think it's US dollars, so don't be fooled, Australian listeners of this podcast. Um, but it's essentially just... Uh, a way that I feel like if you like the show and you would buy me a beer if you saw me out at a gig then that's kind of your way of doing that and I would appreciate it and uh, if I didn't eloquently uh, do that metaphor as well as other people on podcasts I'm sorry I just uh, given it my own spin but I feel like that spiel has been done before and I like it a lot I like this notion of oh man you buy a pint for your mates so yeah cool that's what you would do if you would do that patreon.com slash f-u-t-l you can also add me on instagram follow me on instagram add you don't add people on fucking instagram idiot rory uh follow at fuck your tarot lady on instagram to check out all the fun pictures and stuff i've started doing like a little bit more if you go to the third image of the podcast so it won't be up when this episode's out but if you come back like in two days or three days or whenever i lazily post the third one i add some fun stuff in there as well so i've been doing that for a little bit of fun too so if you've got any recommendations or things i should do or future guests or something when they're coming on uh anyone has any funny ideas we can add them in there and that can uh, be something else fun for you guys to check out as well because i'm just trying to build a community guys that's what i'm trying to do i'm trying to give you youtube playlists to watch and an instagram to finally scroll at and have as much fun as i am uh doing this show because i really do enjoy making this show for you guys and i really appreciate the feedback that i get from people that dig on the show and uh it's really cool it's really nice to see on instagram comments or hear when i see them in person uh it's real cool so again thanks everyone for i guess giving me this platform to talk shit to people that i want to talk to on uh and thanks for enjoying it so i hope you guys having a great week amongst all the craziness and uh see you guys real soon